0: The planning board will come to order. Uh, Commissioner Alfondri will not be with us this morning. He has a conflict uh, in his schedule, but he will join us this afternoon. Um, Item one on the agenda is the adoption of opinions and resolutions. Is there a motion for approval of the resolutions? Moved. Is there a second? Second. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The ayes have it. Item 2 is the record plans. Is there a motion for approval of the record plans? So moved, Mr. Chairman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, the ayes have it. Motion is carried. There are no consent items or minutes to approve, so item number 5 is the Revenue Authority's recommendations on Sligo Golf Course. Uh, Ms. Bradford.
1: Good morning, Mr. Chairman. For the record, Mary Bradford, Director of Parks, Montgomery County. Uh, We have a presentation this morning from uh, Keith Miller, Executive Director of the Montgomery County Revenue Authority, and on the Sligo uh, Creek Golf Course, uh, which is a unit operated right now by the Revenue Authority under lease arrangement with the Maryland National Capital Park and Planning Commission. Uh, Just by way of background, because I believe all the board members except one were not here when all of this occurred, uh, and it also was underway when I arrived Uh, Essentially, in the uh, fall of 2005, uh, the County Council did not want to make the uh, debt service payments uh, out of taxpayer dollars for the construction of the golf course at Little Bennett. And there was a move to find an operator who could perhaps operate these golf courses more efficiently and uh, avoid having to subsidize uh, the golf course operations in Montgomery Parks. Um, During that time a lease arrangement was uh, drawn up and created with the Montgomery County Revenue Authority and their executive director is here today to talk about the results of uh, their past um, work on trying to figure out what would be best and uh, how to make operational changes that would enhance the revenues and improve operation of all of those courses. They have done so and have come to some conclusions which they will be presenting to you today. Uh, In the memorandum you've received uh, for this item uh, dated February 13th, I would like to point out before we begin one typographical error on the first page of the memo, and I ask all of those with a copy of this packet to make that correction. The memorandum is to the Planning Board. It's MCPB item number 5, and in the third paragraph, first line, uh, the date 2009 should be changed to 2012. With that, Mr. Chairman, um, I invite, uh, if I may, Executive Director Keith Miller to make some remarks.
2: We're good. Mr. Miller. Thank you, Mary. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chairman and members of the board. Um, for the record, I am Keith Miller, Executive Director of the Montgomery County Revenue Authority. We're here this morning to speak with you about two items, uh, first being the alternatives to closing the Sligo Creek Golf Course, and the second, the proposed master lease number one. However, before we begin this morning discussing Sligo, I thought I would provide a brief history of how we got here. As Mary indicated before, we began operating the golf courses in 2006 under a letter of intent. In October of 2006, the final lease agreement was finalized and approved. In March of 2007, the Revenue Authority fulfilled its lease obligation to present a master plan for the four parks golf courses to the planning board which included a concept for the Sligo Creek Golf Course. In the spring of 07 through the fall of 07, the Revenue Authority listened to the community concerns about potential environmental noise, lighting, and traffic impacts of the proposed changes. In the fall of 07, the Revenue Authority hired consultants to review the potential concerns of the community. In January 2008, the Revenue Authority conducted a public meeting in which approximately 200 people attended to express their concerns and opposition to the proposed changes. Uh, Also in January 2008, the county executive did not recommend the Sligo project in his annual capital improvement plan to the county council. And finally in January 2008, the revenue authority withdrew Sligo, Northwest and Needwood projects from its ACIP uh, and stated its plans to develop a stakeholders advisory group to receive community recommendations on the possible solutions for Sligo. Uh, In April through August of 2008, the Revenue Authority formed the Sligo Creek Stakeholders Advisory Group and met with the group every other week until August. September 2008, the Sligo Creek Stakeholders Advisory Group presented its findings to the Revenue Authority Board. The Revenue Authority Board acknowledged the work of the group, but stated the recommendations did not address the financial needs of the facility. The Board also verified that they would consider all options to the property, including the possible return of the property to the Planning Board. And the group acknowledged that they understood. In the fall of 2008, the Revenue Authority Board requested that the staff again review all options for Sligo Creek and even suggested a new concept. Staff reviewed all options and discussed our findings with the Revenue Authority Board. The Revenue Authority also contracted at that time with NGF Consulting to determine if any of the park golf courses were adverse to the system. In January 2009, the NGF consulting report determined that Sligo Creek is the most adverse to the golf system. Revenue Authority Board passed a resolution authorizing the executive director to proceed with the extraction and return of Sligo Creek as per section 12.2 of the 2006 lease agreement as Section 12.2 requires the Revenue Authority to come to the Planning Board as well as to the County Council to discuss the alternatives to closing Sligo Creek Golf Course. As outlined in our previously submitted memo, the Revenue Authority has considered several alternatives for Sligo Creek. Those alternatives include the original course modification concept as well as numerous variations of that concept. The Revenue Authority does not view any of the course modifications as viable alternatives because of the following Community opposition. The community has expressed its opposition to the original concept. The modifications of the original concept also do not address the community concerns. Financial performance. The course modifications will not satisfy the financial needs of the property. Infrastructure needs. The course modifications will also not address the infrastructure needs of the property economy and financing. Given the recent change in the economy, the Revenue Authority does not believe it will be able to secure financing for the original concept as well as any of the modifications. Additionally, the only way we may be able to secure financing would be to pledge some if not all of the revenue funds from Needwood and Northwest. The pledging of these funds would also be adverse to the system because we would not be able to fund the capital needs of those properties. In conclusion, we are sympathetic to the users of the facility and the members of the local community. As just outlined, the Revenue Authority has been working on a solution for Sligo Creek for the past two years. And though the decision to extract the golf course and return it to park and planning is a difficult decision, it is one the Revenue Authority has to make. Although the many people may not understand the decision, if you review the data that is available, this is not a problem that is limited to Sligo Creek, but a challenge that is facing this type of facility, standalone nine hole golf courses, throughout the country. As indicated in the NGF report, Sligo is the most adverse to the system, and we believe the future sustainability of the system will be secure when the property is no longer operated as a course. Additionally, in our meetings with the Parks Department, they expressed the time a need for time to review options to using the Sligo property, as well as being able to better prepare themselves for the return of the property. Therefore, the Revenue Authority is agreeable to operate Sligo through October 1st of this year, and we request your approval of Amendment Number 1. Mr. Chairman and members of the Board, I again thank you for your time this morning. Are there
3: questions
4: for the Board? Yes, very briefly. Because I understand your presentation and the numbers that were in your, in the report. Yes, sir. Uh, there's two lines of analysis. First of all, you don't think Sligum can make it just on an operating basis. Correct. As it stands. Yes. You also think that it wouldn't make it, in other words, you wouldn't get a, you would not get a positive return on any incremental investments that you made, significant incremental investments you made in the facility.
0: Yes. Thank you. I'm I'm not clear exactly what it is uh, we uh, would have to approve. Uh,
2: because the parks has asked for additional time um, to review the property and uses of the property, as well as um, time to be pre- better prepared for us to take the golf course back, there is an amendment number one to the uh, agreement, to the original 2006 agreement that amendment would need the approval of the planning board. And what exactly does that amendment do? That amendment allows us to operate the golf course um, through slightly modified terms uh, until October 1st and I'll let Cal Rubin
5: address that. Good morning. For the record, Donna Calco, Officer General Counsel. What amendment one does, uh, Mr. Chairman, is it confirms that the uh, revenue authority the sligo creek will be extracted from the golf course system but it does also memorialize the party's agreement that uh, the revenue authority will continue to operate sligo until october the first
6: 2009
7: under
5: under the same terms and conditions as the original lease so So that so the rents doesn't change Uh, all of that is the same
4: apologize for interjection, Councilor, yeah. so it actually the amendment is a memorialization of the commitment of the Revenue Authority to operate through October
1: 1st. That's correct.
4: That's right. Mm-hmm.
8: It, if Thank I you. might, uh, for the record, I'm John Fisher with the County Attorney's Office. I concur in uh, Council's comments with one exception. During that nine-month period, uh, the lease requirements for capital improvements is waived. Uh, Revenue Authority would not have to put any capital improvements either now or already determined to exist or may arise during that operating period. In other words,
4: so the quid pro quo is that we recognize that you're going to extract a system, therefore we can't reasonably request you to make further capital expenditures, but the other side of the trade deal is where you might have the ability to close it sooner you agree to operate through the 1st of October. Exactly.
0: Just, uh, just so that uh, the record's uh, very clear on this, when you say that Sligo is the most adverse to the, to the system, um, what would happen to the system if you kept Sligo? Is it fa- I, My question essentially, to put it uh, less elegantly, it may be averse, adverse, but is it fatal?
2: Well, eventually it would be, yes, sir. Um, uh, over time. Is it fatal next year? Um, that is, that is, uh, you know, not determined in this. But by continuing to um, cover the adversity of, this, of Sligo, and I think it's important to realize that, uh, as outlined in the NGF study, again, we look at this type of facility. And no matter what we do to this facility, it is going to be a continual drain on the system. Also, the facility is in need of major capital investment at this time. Uh, and that capital investment could have significant uh, impacts on the immediate performance of the system, yes.
0: So eventually you'd have to give up all nine courses because of Sligo? Right. I, I, it, it just occurred to me that...
8: If I might, Mr. Chairman, the, the standard in the contract is that it'd be adverse, not be fatal, but based on your hypothetical, the answer I suspect would be and we would only know by projected numbers, which would really be kind of guesses, that the capital improvements required here at Sligo would drain away the monies necessary for capital improvements and other courses and cause them to fail somewhat in a domino effect. Would it take them all down? That's impossible to determine. But if you didn't cut the one domino, so to speak, somewhere, the likelihood is they all finally fall in place one building on the next.
0: So I, I'm just thinking about this in terms of long-term uh, uh, future because under the terms of this contract uh, we can't operate Of course it's returned to us as a golf course um, if five years down the road we find another golf course averse to the system.
2: Well, I, I think if you go back to the original discussion with the with the intent of the lease of putting the basically the intent of the lease was to put all the golf courses under one system. So, so that, that way that that, dis- that we got right. So that so that system. But I, I think the, the, the what the revenue authority um, took over by doing that is the um, responsibility that in to the adverse of your statement is if the rounds of golf grow dramatically in the county. Um, there may be a need for additional golf courses, uh, as well as, to your point, that if the rounds of golf which currently operate between 380 and 390 thousand rounds, to sit here today and project what it would look like in five years, the round ra- amount, the amount of rounds in Montgomery County might only be 280 thousand rounds, which at that point can 280 thousand rounds uh, be enough to sustain a at that point a eight whole, uh, eight golf course system. Or nine if
0: you take on Redgate. Right.
2: Or nine if we took on Redgate. You know, whatever that system might be. But what is the total number of rounds and what can it sustain at that point? To project ahead, again, would just be making guesses and projections. But to your point, if the rounds go down, could we handle eight golf courses or nine golf courses? And at the same point, if the rounds grow dramatically over that same time period, will there be a need for a 10th golf course or 11th golf course?
0: So I don't think you're suggesting that you'd be back here asking to get Sligo back. No. Hmm.
2: No, again, because if you go back to the study report, the, you know, standalone nine-hole golf courses have a different effect, and that is the limits on revenue and the expenses that are affixed with those those golf courses. They are struggling nationwide. On that point, if I might, Mr.
4: Chairman, if I read the report, it's it's a fairly technical point, but Essentially, the report seems to say for a nine-hole golf course, you have almost as much overhead and fixed costs and as you do for an 18-hole golf course. Yes. But by definition, you have half the revenue. So your cost power profile, even your total cost profile for a nine-hole course is only marginally smaller than that for an 18-hole course. But by definition, you have half the revenue.
0: And as I understand your testimony this morning is that even if um, you were uh, you were to keep Sligo that uh, at this point you couldn't finance the improvements that you had suggested to make it viable. That is correct. So that you're basically saying there ain't no way to get there from here. Ms. Presley?
9: I wasn't here in the original transfer, so I won't even touch that elephant in the room. I I wasn't at the circus, but I.
4: That's all right, Commissioner. It seems since I've only got four months to go, I can accept blame for all kinds of things that happened before three of you (laughs) arrived. I'm not not looking to blame you either,
5: but. Responsibility. I'll change the word. I'll I'll, I'll simply say thank you.
9: but, but, Mary, one of the concerns I would have is, is what the nine-hole course um, currently, what service that was providing to residents, and if this were to have been still in in our possession, how would you have run it? Would you be making the same assessment and saying that this is not viable, or would there be uh, a way that you would be redoing it?
1: Well, it's hard, it's hard to do speculative, you know, what would you have done, but um, uh, what we're reacting to, first of all, what we're reacting to here is the uh, document that's about a thir- about two-thirds of the way down in your packet that you received, which is the the amendment to the golf course lease to release LIGO. But it's followed by the by the study that explains why this isn't making money for them in its current configuration. First of all, the population that it serves in this part of the county um, is it's a different. Um, It's a different use in many ways as a smaller course. uh, It's located in a very uh, uh, populated area. Uh, There isn't anything this close to that populated area except for Sligo, although a lot of those folks when they desire uh, a bigger experience than a nine hole course generally head up to Northwest or one of the other courses in the system. And I think the golf study showed that that would be likely where those patrons would go. Um, Under our, under our previous management uh, essentially because the golf course system was paying off debt for the construction of Little Bennett golf course uh, and because the the revenues, all the revenues, operating revenues from all the golf courses uh, under the enterprise model in the Department of Parks must pay not only operating expenses but must pay off debt service. Uh, Every year we were going back to the County Council for approximately half a million dollars or so, between 400 and 500 thousand dollars, to help pay off that debt because the operating revenues, particularly when you have courses uh, such as a nine hole course in the mix, uh, won't sustain that kind of expenditure. I suspect if we'd kept it, and this is pure speculation, We would have done some modifications to the course, uh, perhaps not to the extent to which the Revenue Authority proposed, but we probably would have expanded the clubhouse, tried to figure out ways to get more revenue out of it, expanded the first T program, all of those things that were element of what the Revenue Authority wanted to do. We did not have the opportunity to propose that, as I understand. Uh, When I got here, as I said, this was well underway but uh, nonetheless I think we would have taken on some modifications. The kinds of modifications that the Revenue Authority wanted to undertake included putting in a driving range which does bring in a lot of money and I think that's the point at which the um, public sentiment probably tipped against uh, uh, what was going on there and the Revenue Authority uh, did take their proposals to the local community and uh, in spite of a couple of years of work, I don't believe they made much headway on that, which did not approve the revenue profile of Sligo. So I do think that we would have had, we would have not been able to make it a real money producing star under the current operational system in that way. But I don't, I believe we would not have closed it because that was not our charge to, to operate in the same way that the Revenue Authority and its board expects it to operate. Does that help? All right,
5: thank you. Mary, I just wanted to get one thing cl- a little bit clear in my mind. Uh, the thought that it being a nine-hole course, I don't, what I keep missing on is why doesn't that produce twice the amount that an 18 would because you can have twice the number of people playing when they're only doing nine holes. I just I missed that part of it, um, and perhaps you can tell me that. And then also the, how much of a loss, I, I couldn't quite get it. If it continued as a nine-hole course under the county, what are the losses actually? If you made no changes to it, you just let it go the way it was. You didn't enlarge the clubhouse, you didn't do anything to make it better, but you kept it on the on the books. What is the actual loss to the county for a nine-hole golf course in that area? So there are two questions there.
1: On both of those questions, I suggest Executive Director Miller uh, because he has the current operating okay. statistics for the last two or three years. Mr. Miller?
2: Uh, to The first question in regards to the philosophy of why isn't it double, I I think that's a a good question that's that's constantly asked in the industry itself. Um, You know, as you go to different parts of the country, you will find nine-hole golf courses that produce a a lot more rounds than than these facilities. However, the revenues are still restricted um, because of the fee that you can charge. The other thing that the Nine hole golf courses are competing with on a, on a rounds basis is the um, basically the challenges of the 18 hole courses because the industry is overbuilt. For the last three years now, the number of golf course closings have exceeded the number of openings because the uh, industry really expanded. If you go back to the Tiger Woods projected boom of the industry, the golf courses were building and building and building. So the competition is out there. You see it in in, in Montgomery County alone in the number of golf courses that were built in the 90s. Um, and because of the challenges of those golf courses trying to create the revenues, there's actually times during the day when people can play, pay pretty close to what they would pay to play nine holes and play 18. So you have this demand that's going on and people are, are well, I can play $15, pay $15 to play Sligo or I can go over here and play, pay $19 to play an 18 hole course. Um, so, so you're dealing with the demands where the 18-hole course is, is going against the 9-hole course um, and, and across the way. So I think that's where your rounds, you, you, you don't see the number of rounds that you would anticipate there and the revenue restrictions are, are that. Uh, to the second point, if you go to our um, audited financial statements, the audited losses for 2007 was uh, approximately $100,000 for Sligo. And in 2008, the audited losses was $144,000. Um, in addition to that, the facility is well beyond its life expectancy on the infrastructure needs there. So uh, we had estimated there's about 2.5 to $3 million uh, in capital infrastructure needs of the property. Okay, This is $0.5 million to
4: be functional or to be efficient. They're not to function or to be efficient. They're not quite the same.
2: Its to be functional. I mean, the, uh, the golf course system, basically what that, what that number is projected on is the life expectancy of irrigation systems, bunkers, greens, so on and so forth. It's not to say that thats this, that all of those items are going to fail tomorrow, but they are all well beyond their life expectancy. So, so they're, all have to items, they're all
4: items that you would have to replace
2: eventually just have to, to, to
4: be replace. able to drive the car, yes, so to speak. Yes.
10: Gene Gooden's acting deputy director. To answer part of that question, the commission itself started losing money at Sligo in uh, 2000 uh, and continued losing money up through until the revenue authority took it over. They made a slight profit in one year,
11: but other than that, uh, we were losing consistently money at Sligo.
0: Very good. Are there any other questions? I
4: had a question for my staff and make sure it's comparing apples to apples. That was without capital expenditures. The loss was just on operations.
0: Yes. But the operation include debt service, I assume, although I don't know whether there was any debt service on Sligo specifically at no, that point. No, there was no like.
4: debt service on no. Sligo. So that's yeah. just what. What I'm asking the staff right. to verify that in fact that was just on operations.
10: There, the, in, in, 2000, uh, in 2000 and in 2001, there was a total of uh, $70,000 worth of capital improvement. After that, there was no capital improvement.
4: And pursue to make sure to pursue the chairman's question. That was on the standalone costs for Sligo with some reasonable allocation of overhead, but not that yeah. service. It was Sligo right.
0: itself. Okay. Very good. There are other people who have asked to be heard on this, and let's uh, hear from them, and then we can have some discussion of the of the uh, issue and what happens next. Um, Byrne Peak, uh, Bruce uh, Sidwell, and Heather Phipps have all asked to be heard. If all three of you would come to the table, let's start with Mr. Peak. Uh, if you'll press the button then the red light will come
12: on. There, there we go. go. <coughs> Excuse me, my throat's a little sore this morning. I'm coming down with a little something. I'll try to get through this as as fast I can. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chairman and Plain and Board members. I would like to state for the record my name is Burn Peake. I reside at 204 Williamsburg Drive, Silver Spring, Maryland. I am President of the Woodmore Pine Crest Civic Association which consists of approximately 1,150 homes, is bordered by University Boulevard Route 29, Northwest Branch, and the Capital Beltway. As you may have noticed, I was asked by Mr. Miller, Executive Director of Montgomery County Revenue Authority, to be part of the Stakeholders Advisory Group as a golfer. I've spent many years at Sligo Creek Golf Course. In fact, the first round I ever played was at Sligo. I've seen people come and go and have witnessed firsthand the changes and conditions over the years. I must take my hat off to Mr. Miller and his talented staff. The golf course is in the best shape I've ever seen it. Although the facility as a whole was changing, I started noticing small changes. Where there used to be trash cans, they were missing. Where water jugs used to be, they were not. Paper towel dispensers replaced with air dryers, automatic light switches installed, Flower flower pots and flowers that would border the parking lot and clubhouse have disappeared. Fences that were in need of repair removed. Where rough used to be, it was let go and renamed environmental areas. I saw the number of employees cut in half. I saw organization where there was little before. I saw the price of food and beverage go up as well as the grain fees. I really didn't mind because the course was in great shape. I'm a golfer. What could be better? I would ask the pro from time to time how they were doing. He told me they were doing well and seemed proud of his accomplishments as he should. I remember one day in particular I pulled into the parking lot and saw two large trucks with trailers attached. The greenskeeper was going by in a cart. He stopped to say hello. I asked him what was going on with the course. He said it was time to aerate and the crew would be in and out of here in one day. So I had to believe the crew worked for the Revenue Authority and would go from course to course. I thought to myself, that's a good way to save money. It was very obvious to me that Mr. Miller knew exactly how to run a golf course and his skills as a comptroller and a business person had turned Sligo into a well oiled machine. But something didn't add up. Mr. Chairman, I remind you of the question you asked Mr. Miller in the 07 meeting, March of 07, I quote, you had a 14 percent increase in the rounds at Sligo. How did that affect your revenue? Reply Mr. Miller. The revenue went up substantially as well over the year, but the costs to operate at that level were extremely above budget. So even though we were ahead on our revenue budgets and projections, we were behind our bottom line projections on our net income projections were actually lower than we had budgeted. So basically, what we were finding when we went through the the year, Mr. Chairman, is that even though we were able to increase revenues significantly, the cost of being able to sustain those increases overweighed the benefits. How could this be? The evidence from my viewpoint, at least, does not support the statement. I will agree with Mr. Miller that numbers don't lie but sometimes they don't tell the whole truth. I remind you today I sit in front of you not as a golfer but as the president of the Woodmore Pinecrest Association and represent over 2,000 tax paying voters. I've supplied you all with a disturbing email I received from a Mar- Mr. Mark Safonte with some serious matters concerning the revenue authority, park and planning and the county council's role to transfer the golf course. I was contacted by Mr. Safanti and had a brief discussion concerning the recent article in the Washington Post. I am not a friend of Mr. Safanti nor have I ever played golf with Mr. Safanti. I've seen him at meetings and in passing. Mr. Safanti expressed to me that many people may describe him as a troublemaker or a loose cannon, but even a loose cannon hits its mark from time to time. The language in the lease agreement Concerning Sligo's profitability as a golf course system, in my opinion, should never have been allowed. My wife and I are small business owners in this county. I could only dream of entering into a lease agreement with our landlords that would allow us to walk away unscathed if our business didn't generate the profit we had projected, not to mention a loss. The fact of the matter is, if Sligo is not allowed to run as a golf course, the revenue authority isn't going to lose any rounds of golf. Golfers are going to continue to golf and be forced to choose from one of the other Revenue Authority courses. This means more time spent in the car, more gas being used, more traffic, more pollution, and at no cost to the Revenue Authority. I ask if this was taken into consideration when the decision was made to return Slega to the park. Can we sit and allow the Revenue Authority, the park system, and other such agencies to to potentially enter in other such lease agreements that would perhaps include the surrendering of tennis courts, ice skating rinks, soccer fields and even other golf courses that don't generate profits. Is it fair to put undue pressure on legislators, council's members to make closed-door deals in order to keep the bulldog fed? I think not. In my opinion, all parties involved were looking out for their best interest yet somehow forgot about the students, the first T program the golfers and yes the taxpayers of Montgomery County. It is time for us to put our differences aside. We are the smart we are among the smartest in the country and I'm sure as a community we can come up with a solution that will benefit us all. We can't afford to lose Sligo as a public facility nor should we be forced to. The green space we have left down county is precious. Once it's gone, it's gone. At the very first Sligo Stakeholders Advisory Group meeting, I asked Mr. Miller, how much money is it going to take to make Sligo profitable? He directed me in the direction of the Kennedy Financial Report, I felt, to avoid the question. In a later meeting, I asked Mr. Miller, how much revenue does one daytime driving range stall generate a year? I was not supplied with that information at the time, but since have learned, on average, the figure is somewhere between. $15,000 and $20,000 per stall. I must say I feel feel Mr. Miller was put in a no-win, shoot the messenger if you don't like the message position, and at the end of the day, he is doing his job the best he can in order to satisfy his board members. And I am certain Mr. Miller and his staff will continue to keep the course in the great shape it is until a final decision is made. On July of 2008, I proposed a plan to the Sligo Stakeholders Advisory Group that would turn holes number two and three into a pitch-and-putt practice facility and a 10 to 15 stall daytime, I repeat, daytime-only driving range, and convert the old greenkeeper's house, which is currently used as storage, into a learning facility for the First T program hole number 7 which is a par 4 would per, would be turned into two challenging par 3s as well in hole number 9 in my opinion everyone wins but at the time this plan was proposed as a group we were so busy staring at the trees we couldn't see the forest right in front of us i believe we all had different agendas and should have never been put in that position i would ask the board to revisit its findings or at the very least allow the park system and possibly the Department of Parks and Recs in a joint effort to maintain Sligo as a golf course. Mr. Chairman and board members, it is your wisdom and guidance that we are in need of at this critical time. Please don't let Sligo slip through the cracks. Respectfully submitted, Byrne Peak, Woodmore Pinecrest Civic Association. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, are there questions for Mr. Peak at this point? I think we'll go on to hear from others, and then we may have questions for you, so don't uh, stay stay at the table, if you would. Thank you. Um, Mr.
13: Sidwell. Good morning to you all. I'm uh, Bruce Sidwell. I live at 7209 Spruce Avenue in Tacoma Park, and uh, I am uh, here partly to represent the board of the Friends of Sligo Creek, which is the uh, park that, in fact, Sligo Creek, uh, they, uh, of course, uh, is part of. Um, there's two things that I really wanted to talk about today. The first is really the the part of the contract that really talks about whether a course is adverse to the entire golf system. Um, I want, I think the reason that I'm bringing this up is that I Sligo Creek Golf Course has been a part of the community for more than 60 years and uh, there's a lot of people like Byrne and others who don't want to see it go away. I think we want to be very serious about understanding what that term means, adverse to the entire golf system. Um, first, there's a point really about that, whether or not it's even plausible that the problem with Sligo can actually be adverse to the entire system. On, on the second page, the back side of, of my testimony that you have, uh, there's a point that I've made there that, first of all, Sligo actually is only nine of the 81, course, 81 holes that are the four public parks, the, the, the park system ones that were there. So it's actually a very small part. Uh, the other thing is that uh, it actually its annual expenses are only about 12 percent of the total expenses that are incurred by just those four courses. Um, it turns out that that Needwood and Northwest, which are two of the, the big park courses, are doing extremely well. You can look at the the NGF, the the uh, National Golf Foundation report that was done, and they're uh, they're extremely profitable. And even the, the uh, report also notices that even Little Bennett. Which has been actually one of the reasons, which, as Mary was saying, is one of the reasons why this this whole lease was set up, was to take care of the uh, the debt service for Little Bennett. In fact, even Little Bennett is is doing better. So there's a it's a little hard to to see that that somehow Little Sligo is going to draw down is actually going to pull down the whole system, which is I think the way that that if I look at the lease. That's the way I interpret it. That may be kind of a Bill Clinton thing. Is like, what does adverse mean? But that's that's the way I read it. Um, there's also a matter of the, the conclusions of the National Golf Foundation report uh, primarily rest upon an economic model that they put together. I don't have any real problem with the economic model, but we have to appreciate that any model like that actually is only as good as the numbers that are put in. And if you you put in fairly worst case numbers, uh, then you're going to get a, a a worst case kind of a bottom line. And uh, I think I think you know in, in deference to to what Keith and his staff have done, I, I think they've tried to do uh, come up with say reasonable worst case. But in fact, they actually are fairly worst case. And again, on the the back side of uh, the testimony, there there's just a few things I wanted to point out. One was that the number of rounds actually has gone up recently. It actually has not hit what the peak rounds were back in the early two thousands. And the uh, two thousand um, I think one to or two thousand and one and two the the actual rounds were between thirty six thousand uh and and thirty nine thousand rounds that were being played there. So that's the current thirty thousand then is actually lower than what it was. I I throw that out as just showing what the potential was for rounds and there has been little or no advertising and and really uh, there's no buzz that's been created about Sligo for a long time and so I I think that that's the number of rounds that maybe is really an appropriate target that could have been used. Uh, Another is that the the, uh, Revenue Authority has decided that Sligo should pay in fact the same $160,000 hundred and sixty thousand dollar management fee that's leveled levied on 27 whole courses uh, and this is despite the fact that the expenses are lower the facility is only nine holes versus 27 there's no driving range it's a much simpler course to be managed and it uh, that has always seemed like an excessive number if that number were lowered obviously this an economic model would come out a little different Um So I think that's that's all I really wanted to say about there are numbers that could have been. It probably, as an old-time policy analyst, I think it would have been much more interesting to see an economic model that had a range of possibilities presented. So it could have a worst case, it could have a more optimistic case, it could have something in the middle, and you would get somewhat different view of just how adverse Sligo Creek is in fact to the, the four park uh, courses or the nine courses that the uh, Revenue authority runs. Um, I think that's all I really wanted to say about adverse. It's just something that I wanted you to think about before you turned it back, before it gets turned back. Uh, the other is that if it is turned back, I'm um, speaking especially for my organization, the Friends of Sligo Creek. Um, if it's still an opinion of the board and the council that in fact it has to be returned, and if it turns out that it's not going to be used as a golf course, then uh, Friends of Sligo Creek strongly believe that we want it to remain at least as park land, as open space. Um, I think, as you all know, we have uh, one of the largest county systems, you know, in existence. It's got a lot of acreage. It's in great shape. It wins a lot of awards. But it, it turns out that a lot of the acreage is basically up county. And there's very little acreage and facility down county. And there's a, you know, a lot of reasons for that. That's where the population is. That's where you really need to hold on to the, the green space that, that you possibly can hold on to. And we would uh, be delighted to work with uh, with the board on the master plan and and you know, make sure that that uh, the best outcome in, for the county comes out. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I think there's one thing that that uh, uh, maybe uh, we should make clear, and that is that the the park land on which Sligo sits. Uh, was not transferred to the Revenue Authority. Uh, What the Revenue Authority got was a lease to operate the golf courses. So uh, whatever happens, Sligo remains Parkland. I want to make that really very clear. Uh, And uh, I don't think there would be any uh, inclination uh, by this board or the Parks Department to Uh, transfer the land to anybody
13: ever. And I appreciate your clarification of that.
0: Any other questions at this point? Um, Ms. Phipps.
14: Good morning. My name is Heather Phipps, and I appreciate this opportunity to address the planning board concerning Montgomery County Revenue Authority's request to extract Slego Creek Golf Course from their lease with the Maryland National Capital Planning Park and Planning Commission. I'm interested in the outcome of the Planning Board's decision today because I'm a resident of the North Hills of Sligo Creek neighborhood, which is directly east of the golf course, and I was also a member of the Sligo Creek Stakeholder Advisory Group that met every other week for three months during the summer of 2008 to provide MCRA with recommendations for Sligo Creek Golf Course. My family moved from Brookland in Northeast D.C. to the neighborhood of North Hills in March 2007, and we have thoroughly enjoyed our home's proximity to the Sligo Creek Golf Course as its natural features provide a quiet green space, a buffer from the heat, pollution, and noise from the nearby Beltway, and thanks to the lack of lights on the course, we even enjoy viewing stars on clear nights. It also has served our family as a natural learning center for our almost four-year-old daughter. As we have observed wildlife such as deer, fox, rabbits, and birds, collected fallen pine cones from many of the pine trees that line the eastern edge of the course, and even discussed the basics of stormwater management by referring to the course's stream and pond as real life examples. I do completely agree with uh, Mr. Bruce Sidwell's analysis of M-Series, a less than compelling case for extracting the golf course from their lease, and I do hope that the Planning Board will ask probing questions about NGF's supposedly independent financial analysis, as well as MCRA's reasoning for shouldering such an excessive management fee on the smallest golf course in their system. Also, it was suggested by a member of the North Hills community at one of the Sligo Creek Stakeholder Advisory Group meetings last summer, that NCRA could implement capital improvements at their most successful um, leased courses, Northwest and, and Needwood, first, in order to f- further improve their economic conditions and then fund improvements at Sligo Creek Golf Course incrementally with the increased revenues from those two courses. I am confused as to why this option was not addressed in NGF's analysis or how NGF could conclude that Sligo Creek's capital investments will be adverse to the entire golf course system while also stating that no specific capital expense details have been budgeted for this facility as of December 2008. However, if the ultimate decision of the board and the council is that the course should be shut down, I strongly believe that the public parkland that Sligo Golf Course currently resides upon should be protected as green space. I echo Mr. Sidwell's opinion that a balance has to be struck between development and open space to conserve the ecology of our waterways as well as the quality of our lives in an ever-increasingly urban landscape in the Down County area. I also implore both the MCRA and MNC PPC to take into consideration the legacy that, they, that we will all be leaving to future generations in making land use decisions in regards to our public park land. Thank you for your attention and if you are interested in, in more comments from Montgomery County residents with regards to the future of Sligo Creek Golf Course, I invite you to visit a, an I petition which our neighborhood implemented in order to collect signatures from concerned community members, and I've uh, listed the I petition uh, website on uh, my testimony that hopefully you all have a copy of. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. Are there questions of these folks? Okay, not right now. Uh, let's ask Mr. Miller to come on back up, and uh, we'll now under the terms of the um, of the lease um, before the. Um, course, returns to the commission, there had to be a consideration of alternatives. The uh, Revenue Authority in uh, the presentation uh, some months ago uh, presented some alternatives at that time. Um, I asked, as I believe, I remember saying, what else do you have to offer? Uh, and uh, so the uh, Revenue Authority then instituted a series of meetings with, uh, uh, with Representatives from the communities, Uh, and uh, as Mr. Miller described this morning, there were various alternatives that were considered uh, during that period of time. And uh, maybe we ought to take uh, just uh, a moment to um, uh, remind us of what those alternatives were and see if there are questions from members of the board uh, and if. I guess the real question is, uh, have we really pretty much exhausted uh, viable alternatives um, that uh, either uh, the uh, Revenue Authority or the Department has uh, uh, has basically concluded that um, there don't appear to be any? Uh,
2: Mr. Chairman, the, the Revenue Authority focused as per our original concept and the requirements of the lease is we have an obligation to operate the golf course as a golf course and in a manner of a golf course so that is where our research and recommendations were around
0: right you were you were looking how to how to maintain it as a golf course correct uh,
2: uh, and we looked at it from so you weren't
0: a, looking at alternatives that weren't golf course alternatives
2: that is correct okay and so that's where our focus uh, at this point has, right. has has focused and we have run through from the original concept Uh, as was outlined before uh, variations of driving range, miniature golf, other uh, uses in that regards to generate additional revenues. Um, Again, simply remodeling the golf course as is does not address any of the revenue or financial needs of the property. Uh, In the meetings with the community, uh, again, we went through those discussions as well and the community has expressed, again, their opposition to the installation of a driving range or um, uh, especially one that would contain lights uh, as well as miniature golf there was opposition to that as well. The community did come up with other ideas that is in the, in the packet um, that they looked at which the revenue authority did review uh, and determined that those recommendations would not um, again improve or really satisfy the financial needs of the property. Um, and could I'd be happy to go into any other details on that.
4: So, first of all, I wanted to clarify, and you're saying the community was opposed even to a daytime driving range
2: and miniature golf course. Um, the discussion did come up about the there was opposition to a driving range, yes, and to a miniature now, what golf what were some case. of the, could you just
4: discuss briefly for the record, so it's outside sure. the context of the paperwork, the two sure. or three? what you thought the most reasonable other ideas were from the community and why those wouldn't work?
2: Well, basically the community, uh, again, had come up with several actual recommendations that were already implemented, such as raising the fee, uh, which Mr. Peake addressed before, um, offering lessons. We, we do that currently, but again, without a driving range, it's, n- it's really not uh, a viable way to, to offer golf lessons. Um, the community also, and I'm going off of their report here, um, discount programs as annual memberships, weekdays, senior rates, um, things of that nature. We basically fluctuate our rates according to supply and demand models um, and again we've already determined that the revenue is not there to start discounting further on that revenue. is only going to make that situation worse. Um, there was a little discussion about uh, expanding advertising, um, things of that nature in yellow pages and, and websites and signs and uh, promote the, new, the unique features of Sligo Creek, um, oldest municipal course. Renovations of the clubhouse include rental space for parties and other events. Things of that nature were discussed, um, as well as an invest, investigate virtual golf projects, um, uh, products I should say that uh, kind of, uh, you know, electronic hitting stalls and things <coughs> of that nature. Those these are the items that were coming from um, from the from the group as well as they, they also did go into discussing uh, other alternatives such as decreasing the cost, things of that, that nature. Uh, Mr. Peak uh, just noted in his testimony that areas that were maintained rough on the golf course were converted into uh, environmental areas um, and along that the community had recommended to decrease fairways, save on mowing fertilizers, well that is already happening. That, that is what we were doing as we looked at the facility Uh, They recommended to install solar and PV collectors and feed that power back to the grid, Um, use drought-resistant turf grasses and fairways, Um, adopt uh, best management practices to reduce fertilizers and pesticides. These are items, you know, as far as reducing pesticide use and and those items, these are all the items that we are focused on. We're doing across the the system as well as at Sligo. And then then the the third part of their recommendations were really to develop positive relationships with the broader community, community, expand the uh, first T at local schools. Again, the Revenue Authority continues to add sites each year in the first T and working with expanding that program uh, as much as we can. Um, Add signs and photos of interpretive outreach explaining human, uh, local human and natural history and emphasizing protection of local environment. Uh, encouraging local community groups to work on beautifying and natu- um, naturalizing the grounds, um, putting up and maintaining birdhouses, find community business partners to help make SIGO a demonstration place for green golf course management, et cetera. So I'm just highlighting a few of their items that were in there and that were discussed. So the, the group looked at it from ideas, uh, again, on a revenue stance, a, a decreased course, and a um, partnering with the community. And ultimately what we've determined is that, um, you know, these ideas are are, are good ideas, but they do not address the financial needs, again, of the property, and without the revenue generation, you just can't address those items. Let's go back to the cost issues. We might, uh, let's
4: build up. We'll start from just direct cost of the facility. In other words, the people that work there and you know, their fringes and things like that, in other words, direct wage costs, maintenance costs, supplies. And then the management fee is supposedly $160,000, which I assume is a ch- charge to cover general overhead, some allocation of overhead. If you just had the direct operating costs and revenues, what would your situation be?
2: Well, sir, Take I... the
4: management fee out.
2: Okay. I refer you to the NGF report uh, in, the end, in the conclusion of the NGF report. Um, actually on see here on page 21 of the NGF report, uh, when they determine most adverse facility being Sligo Creek, uh, the last sentence of that first paragraph there, states we also note that eliminating or modifying the $160,000 management fee at this facility will not be enough to eliminate the economic loss and still leaves the problem of appropriate management for the facility.
4: Right, economic loss meaning being defined as basically cash loss. Yes. And so uh, that would be the cash loss that's, if you were, that would not then include the debt service and interest costs on a couple of million dollars if you had to rebuild the course.
2: That is correct.
4: And what's your current cost of funds? Roughly. The current loss, uh, no, the current cost of you to borrow money will, before the general collapse of the credit markets. So let's go back to last mm-hmm. summer. Cause I'm not sure anything beyond that's representative.
2: So. It's really, I think the last deal that uh, we did, which was one for the Montgomery County uh, College, was a deal that was um, done in the fall at 5%. So, on a $2.5 million,
4: that would be about $150,000 a year. Yes. Plus the principal payments. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think uh, what the community has suggested, two of the witnesses have suggested, is build up the other courses and then essentially use that revenue to subsidize Sligo. Yes. That's what they're saying. So, let's. Well, take it let's take it as an assumption that you make marginal increases in the revenue at Sligo and marginal increases on the cost, but it's not enough. It then becomes an issue of cross subsidization from the other courses. That's great. He said, "What's the board's your board's policy on that, or is there a county policy on that?"
2: Well, I, I think it's that that item did come up, and we we. We did discuss that and actually I did respond to it with the stakeholders advisory group at that time. Um, And basically what they were talking about was the the improvements at Needwood and Northwest and how we can improve that. Actually the capital investments that are needed at Needwood and Northwest are infrastructure improvements. Again, not designed to be revenue producing, any new revenue producing uh, improvements, they're actually meant to invest in the infrastructure for the long-term sustainability of the facilities. Um, Similar to what the Revenue Authority did in the early 2000s at Falls Road and Laytonsville when we rebuilt those facilities. Um, Again, what we were looking at was long-term sustainability. You know, you have to rebuild the bridges, you have to reinvest back into the properties. And that would be the same thing that we would be looking at and is what is needed at Northwest and Needwood. So to just based on that concept, we are not anticipating through those improvements that there is going to be any great increases in revenues that could then be drifted down to, to Sligo. What we are doing in those improvements are just simply investing back into our system to make sure they remain viable over the next 30, 40 years. So if I understand what you're telling me, at the other two courses,
4: you're basically investing to stay in business. Correct. You're not expecting any great revenue increase in at the margin from those investments. They're just things you have to do to stay open. Correct. But then that doesn't... Assuming that, then let's go back to the basic question. The community is asking you to cross-subsidize Sligo out of other operations. I mean that's basically what they're asking. So my question is: We think you should state explicitly on the record. A: What's the board's policy as your board, and is there a higher county policy that you're responding to? The council basically told us no. Right. They weren't going to cross subsidize the golf operations, sure. either from our own operations or externally.
8: Correct. Uh, Mr. Commit- uh, Vice Chairman, let me uh, try and address it uh, again. I'm John Fisher with the County Attorney's Office. Uh, The standard that was put into the leases was on the assumption that each golf course would be self-sustaining with the opportunity to withdraw from the system those that were not.
4: I understand the assumption the lease. I'd like to go beyond the lease and say that for a broader discussion which I know that's the assumption there. I understand why the assumption is there. Excuse me for interjecting. Just assume that we weren't here you own Sligo, free and clear, what would be the policy on cross-subsidization? Facility?
2: Well, I think as you look at it um, right now, you know, we are kind of cross-subsidizing across the, the system as it is now with the losses at Little Bennett um, as well. But what we have determined here is is that if you continue with Sligo, there is no end to the subsidy. You know, as I indicated earlier, you know, the, the, the golf course system the golf course itself pulls Sligo out of it. The type of facility it is uh, across the country is being struggled with, and so therefore it is a a a never-ending subsidy that is is going to happen at this property. Um, ultimately, the revenue authority um, you know must maintain its sustainability. So we have to make the hard choices now to make a determination here and again this is a hard decision that, that the revenue authority has come to is is that this golf course given its annual subsidy needs as well as its capital uh, infrastructure needs of the property it it cannot be subsidized otherwise it is going to be it is adverse and it is going to be ultimately detrimental to the system as a whole uh, and that that continuing paying down is taking from the needs currently of the other properties covering the losses at Sligo you have to take the funds out of your other golf course, as you said, cross-funding. But ultimately, we have to develop a system that is sustainable. We believe that re- removing Sligo and closing it down would enhance the ability for the system to remain sustainable for the long term.
4: But let me ask you a little bit about Little Bennett. Uh, you can mm-hmm. refresh my memory sure. and, and put it on the record. Is Little Bennett covering its operating costs?
2: No. Little Bennett is also covered
4: uh, independently in the lease. I understand, but yes. you're setting aside the terms of lease, just as, again, an organization, yes, is how do you distinguish over the long haul between Little Bennett and Sligo? Since Little Bennett is not covering its operating costs. as Just as business people, sure. why would you keep that one and not keep the-
2: I, I, again, I, uh, the NGF study also uh, addresses that as well, and that is that, again, you're not dealing with the facility type. You're not dealing with that the challenge of being a standalone nine-hole facility. You have a full 18-hole golf course that is up there at, at Little Bennett. Also, as we look at Little Bennett and we look at the area of growth that is still happening at Clarksburg, uh, even though we might describe that facility as being slightly in the outfield, you know, in the outskirts a little bit still, as that growth continues in Clarksburg area, we believe the demand will eventually reach, um, reach up there and pro- produce the rounds. That is, that is the plan. So why would you continue to invest in that is because, again, it's the facility type. The facility type says that it can, it, it can sustain it yeah. as a nine-hole golf course does not, uh, according to the national data. But in addition to that, you also have the growth that is happening up in Clarksburg, and you know, can we continue to operate and really enhance the efficiencies at that golf course that it could eventually handle its um, its overhead, and I think it will. So you um, see growth. Me, you
4: see growth opportunities at Little Bennett,
2: mm-hmm.
4: whereas at Sligo, you see the market is either static or declining.
2: That is correct.
1: Uh, excuse me, Mr. No, no, excuse me. I just wanted to mention um, there is an analysis in your packet of some of those questions. Uh, I think it's on page 20 of the NGF report about four-fifths of the way through. But they are, they are exactly the questions that um, uh, were asked previously. If I, if I may then, just
5: to sum up what we were just listening to, long-term, short-term, because of the unique situation of this particular golf course, it will always run at a loss. Sometimes a higher loss, sometimes a lower loss. Once in a while, because life being what it is, it might even break even. But it will never earn its own way because there's not enough land there to do what you need to do, to have a separate driving range or to do this or that. It just is limited by its own amount of land and where it is. Is that correct? Long-term, short-term, we're at the same place. All right, thank you.
4: Okay. Let's move on now uh, to the lease itself. Yes, in other words, we're talking to trying to focus first just on the practical economics sure, regardless of whom happened you know mm-hmm. the legal arrangement. now uh, and, so again we get it on the record in an oral conversation and so people can hear it, which is why I've asked these questions. I have read the report very carefully what is our role here counselor what is the board's role and I hate to use a legalistic term but kind of what's the standard of review or the standard of decision given our role under the lease agreement could you first of all discuss the role and then what standard would apply and executing?
7: okay uh, Carol Rubin, uh, office of general counsel for the record the um the role of the board here is to basically listen to the uh, the findings of the uh, Revenue Authority with regard to its uh, analysis based on the independent study that Sligo is in fact adverse to the system and its request to return. There's no um, judgment that the the board makes in that regard. Um, The the judgment is as long as it's a reasonable one uh, from the, uh, the independent analysis. But there is, a,
4: there is a standard. The standard is, is from what you just said, I is think. Is it counts.
7: adverse based on the reason, on the analysis made of the independent study?
4: Yeah, my role here is that, is to look at what's presented and the issue is that, is the revenues authorities analysis and justification reasonable? That's correct. If it's reasonable, it might be that uh, there's 20 elements in the analysis, and I disagree with five of them, but fifth of them, 15 of them are right. That's or 10 of them, nine of them are wrong, or 11 are right. As long as it's reasonable, I don't substitute my judgment that's for the correct. revenues authorities.
7: That's correct.
4: Their only burden is to establish that it's reasonable.
7: That's correct, that the Sligo operations are adverse to the system and the, the question has been raised is what does it mean by adverse? What was the lease intending? And it's exactly what has been presented that it's, uh, it, 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 it takes away from the ability of the entire system to operate more in, in a better fashion. Um, the fact is that because it is taking revenues away from the rest or the, the revenue of the system needs to go in um, mr mr. Fisher mentioned something about the courses needing to stand alone and that's not correct the, the, it's a system the idea was to that was the idea of turning the, the courses over for operations is that the, the thought that went into it was that um, there would be with nine courses to operate as opposed to five and then having the, the parts department operate four there would be a, a, a better synergy. Uh, There would be advantages in um, uh, having more courses, uh, better marketing, better ability to uh, for better procurement um, and purchasing. The question, so they don't have to stand alone. The idea was to look at the courses together to see that the system could operate efficiently and effectively and financially uh, support itself. Uh, what's been presented today is that the course, uh, the Sligo course drains or it operates at a loss both, both short-term and long-term and therefore it would not be able to add to the system's um, financial viability in the law lo- I- at all.
4: Okay. I don't want to go back and dredge up history because as I somewhat tartly said in four months I won't be here anyway and I can go into the desert for 60 days or whatever the biblical analogy is. <laughs> but, Mr. Didn't did we not drop a golf course ourselves before this all came up under just the same analysis? We dropped the nine-haul golf course that was over at the FDA center precisely under the same analysis that we didn't see anyway over the long run that we could possibly either make money on that or reasonably limit the analysis. And as I recall, it was the board's analysis shortly leading up to the transfer that we didn't see how we could do it for Sligo, particularly given the capital investments and the fact that our labor costs per round were 25% higher. And that's before we get to the lower yield on dollars from pro shops and everything like that. Now it seems that the revenue authority is telling us, all right, commissioners, whatever the reciprocal of 25 percent is, we've got it, we've dropped the labor costs, we're more efficient, and we still can't make it. I, mean, I think that's what I'm being told. After several years of operations where the witnesses have said in fact you are more efficient.
7: Well there was in, in, the, in the lease there was also the obligation that the Revenue Authority would have and they did in fact present a master plan for the golf system. In other words, what can be done with all four courses to to contribute to the system, and that's exactly what the revenue authority came with in its plan, its capital plan for Sligo investment. And at the time, the propo- the projection, as I recall, was that it could turn Sligo around. Those those times are different. It's a couple of years, and every a lot has changed, and the and the um, the analysis is a different one now and plus there's not the community and uh, I guess public support behind those kinds of of major improvements to to do that. Um, But that was the plan is to have uh, an idea of taking the entire system and coming up with a master plan for golf for the public courses in Montgomery County.
0: I think that's that's correct and I think that um, uh, the authority did um, uh, present a, a master plan which included the uh, substantial improvements at uh, uh, Sligo and this board was not uh, prepared to uh, accept that
5: uh, yes, we because rejected.
0: we we did not believe that uh, it was acceptable to the community. It turns out that uh, our uh, perception of community enthusiasm for uh, those changes was uh, fairly accurate. Uh, and. Uh, that uh, if, uh, having been unwilling to accept uh, those for what we thought uh, at the time were very good reasons, um, I don't think uh, we're in a position at this point uh, uh, to uh, say to the authority that uh, uh, you got you to do it anyway, plus the fact that of the least we can't say that uh, to the authority. Uh, the determination of whether to withdraw. Uh, A uh, a course uh, uh, from uh, uh, its uh, operation and return it uh, is essentially a a unilateral. Uh, uh, It's it's the right of the the revenue authority under the lease uh, to uh, uh, make that determination uh, based on an independent uh, analysis. Uh, of uh, whether or not uh, there is uh, that adverse effect on the system, And as Mr. Robinson and uh, Ms. Rubin have uh, discussed in the dialogue. Uh, the, the only standard there, I think, is, is correct, is, is whether or not uh, the, uh, uh, there's a reasonable basis for the, uh, for the Revenue Authority's uh, uh, decision and uh, we
4: owe them some deference on the terms of the assumptions in their analysis. If right. we can find something in the analysis that's clearly arbitrary or we think is irrational, that's right. then we would have grounds to object that this study is not reasonable. But so far I haven't heard anything or read anything that would lead me to that conclusion.
0: Mr. I haven't either. As I went through the, the uh, uh, NGF's um, report, I... There might be elements in there with which I might have some disagreement, but uh, I myself also. i don't think there's a there's a basis there for a a reasonable person to say that there's no basis for the judgment that the uh, revenue Authorities made. And I'm, again, I may not I may not prefer that judgment, but I think that's a different question. If I
7: could, Mr. Chairman, I just wanted to clarify um, that this isn't the, this is just the first step in what's happening right. with Sligo Creek. The, the next step is that the uh, Revenue Authority is required to make the same presentation uh, of its findings to the County Council. Um, and then then the question is, what is, which is not before you today, and I just want to make that clear, because there has been testimony about what's going to happen uh, with, with Sligo. Um, The reason that the Revenue Authority has agreed and that the Parks Department asked them to continue to operate for the rest of this golf season is to provide the department with an opportunity to come up with a facility plan for Sligo uh, Creek uh, Golf Course. There is no consideration of it being, uh, it's going to be a park, it's it's parkland. So the question is how is it going to be utilized? And those are questions that will come to you in the next, um, probably over the summer and into the fall, so that when Sligo is is taken back as into the inventory of of, of the rest of the parkland, that there is some um, idea of, of what can be done, and uh, and how that can be implemented. So that will be coming back to you. Um, for future decisions
0: but we do we do have a couple of things that we will have to decide uh, almost immediately after the presentation to the council uh, one of those is is uh, uh, the amendment uh, to the uh, uh, to the lease agreement uh, the, the so-called amendment number one uh, that um, would uh, uh, have the uh, revenue authority uh, uh, Maintain uh, and operate the course until October, uh, and then the other uh, uh, is we will need uh, a supplemental uh, appropriation uh, to uh, undertake uh, some of the uh, the interim planning uh, that needs to be uh, developed um, and, and for the uh, for the care of the of the facility. Uh, and uh, we, will, we will need, and I, I think the uh, uh, Parks Department is already at work in, in thinking about uh, future uses, uh, but uh, one of the things I think that uh, we want to make sure that is done as we think about future uses, and I'm quite sure that uh, uh, Mr. Henschen and his staff are already uh, at work on that, uh, is to uh, work with the uh, community. Uh, and I would expect also with the Recreation Advisory Board to uh, uh, arrive at the kinds of, of uh, uh, both short-term and long-term uh, future. Uh, my guess is that uh, we're going to need some short-term uh, or interim uses that uh, that can be put into into place uh, uh, fairly quickly uh, after uh, October and getting ready for. Uh, a year from now, uh, that um, will um, uh, provide some uh, services uh, at the um, uh, at the area, but uh, there's no way between now and October, or between now and and uh, a year from this spring, uh, that uh, we will have been through the whole process of of, uh, uh, of developing or or Doing whatever it is that needs to be done uh, for uh, park facilities uh, in the, uh, uh, in what's now Sligo Golf Course.
1: That's correct, Mr. Chairman. And uh, uh, the uh, supplemental for interim uh, care is for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we don't want it to fall into disuse or become such a uh, fall apart in such a way that we uh, have a great deal more expense once we take it over or produce whatever alternate use is decided for that space. And number two, because um, that portion of our budget which was involved in the uh, care of that particular part of the park system, of course, uh, is no longer in our in our operating budget. So we would have to have that money restored because it was withdrawn where the Revenue Authority took over the courses.
7: I just wanted also one clarification. Uh, The lease amendment um, which basically says that that the Sligo, um, that the Revenue Authority will continue to operate under the terms of the lease except for their obligations that would be long term like capital improvements, etc. That really needs a decision of the board today because the County Council will not accept uh, the um, review it without it having been fully executed and uh, that would require that the revenue authority go back for two hearings in front of the council so the idea was that everything could be packaged together.
0: I, I see. I think
9: that's important for the community to know and, and following up what you had said Mr. Chairman in terms of what is before us today because some of the testimony even in the letters the Mr. Suvante questions decisions that were made some time ago, questions the lease structure itself things that we can't, as I understand it, address today, except for the amendment, and I think that's fair to make clear to the community because I too, you know, I I wasn't reading through this as if I had the liberty to change it, but some of the same questions that community raised I had myself, but since I'm not at liberty to address that, I think it was important to clarify that it's just whether or not it's reasonable to judge that this one course has an adverse effect on the system.
4: Mr. Chairman, I'm prepared to make a motion unless there's other questions or concerns of my colleagues. Are
0: there any other questions Mm -hmm. members of the board have? Okay. Mr. Robinson. Mr. Chairman, I'll make a
4: two-part motion. The first is is that we find that the Revenues Authority of the Financial Analysis of Sligo Creek Parkway, Sligo Creek Golf Course, is reasonable under the terms of the lease, and second, that we approve the proposed amendment. Provide for the continued operations to October 1st
0: of this year. Is there a second to the motion? I'll second it. Is there a discussion of the motion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed?
2: The ayes have it. Motion is carried. Very good. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, members of the board.
0: I don't think we're, we're really prepared to thank you, but we're okay. uh, prepared to accept. What? what? Oh, very good. Yes. I, I, is there a motion? So moved, Mr. Chairman. Is there a second? second. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The ayes out. Let's take a five-minute break before taking up uh, the mandatory referral. Will come to order. Okay. Item number six is the forest conservation plan and mandatory referral uh, for the Montgomery County College parking garage.
10: Okay, I'm Carter. John Carter from uh, Urban Design and Preservation, and with me is John Markeline uh, from from Urban Design and Preservation, and Lori Shirley from Environmental Planning. Uh, As you said, we have both items, the mandatory referral and the forest conservation, and if you don't mind, we'll just do the presentation combined. Um, I thought I would leave this off, uh, help you understand what what perhaps has happened over time. Uh, The West Campus is one of the greatest things, I think, that we've been involved in. Uh, It it happened in around 2000. the college was pressured to expand and the notion was to uh, expand to the west rather than in the community. Uh, this did two things. It, it relieved some pressure from the community from Tacoma Park but also it uh, brought a presence out to Georgia Avenue and helped uh, South Silver Spring which was languishing a bit in those days and it's already served as a great catalyst uh, to the area. You have um, the Gramix Building, after being vacant for almost 20 years, was uh, redeveloped there on the west side of Georgia Avenue. I think you can see it. Uh, th- there were four projects done. If you could go to the next slide, John. Uh, the Health Science Center Building, uh, which was the first building built right there on Georgia Avenue in Jesse Blair Park. Uh, In those days, there was a performing arts center actually in a corner of the park and a bridge was built. Uh, After the Health Science Center was approved, and I'm not sure exactly the timing, uh, the the college was able to purchase the rest of the site, which was a former giant food bakery. For those of Mm -hmm. you who remember, 15,000 pecan pies a day were (laughs) constructed.
0: You always (laughs) were hungry if you were in Jessup Blair Park.
10: (laughs) So they moved the the Performing Arts Center, which is now the Cultural Arts Center, to the corner of uh, Burlington and uh, George Avenue, which is certainly a great thing. Uh, Then they purchased the Giant Food Bakery and put in the Kaferitz Arts Center, which is, if you haven't been there, a, a great facility as well. There are future sites for more college buildings there up on the northeast corner of the site. Uh, and then Jessup Blair Drive, which always provided access to the Giant Food Bakery, which in my view was always in a little bit of an imposition on the park with its loading facilities. Uh, and that corner of the park where it says present mandatory referral what was a kind of a quiet area, which is, it is doesn't serve the CBD well. Uh, the mandatory referral today, as we're talking about, is the public parking garage, which is the fourth mandatory referral or the fourth, fourth phase of this. Okay, the next slide. Um, and so now we'll give you a little view of, of these various facilities. Here's the Health Sciences Center building. We have a little animation. Uh, from Georgia Avenue. And this other one is a view along Georgia Avenue. So it's a whole complex, it's the western campus and it's the park that make this whole thing work in South Silver Spring. Uh, This is the K. Fried's Art Center. It would be nice if it was a little bit later and the leaves were on the trees and the interior sites are amazing to see the students running around there and doing all the things that art students uh, do. It's quite a a facility, you would never even know that was a giant food bakery. Uh, So there's a little animation for that too, I believe. Yeah, this is uh, Jessup Blair Drive is in the foreground. You're looking at the sort of the forecourt. This is what you see from the park, and there's the Health Science Building there to the left. So, and last but not least is is the Performing Arts Center or the the Cultural Center there at the corner of Burlington. Uh, it's it's still under Does that you're seeing George Avenue there? uh, This is King Street again. So that's what's been going on over these last uh, almost a decade or maybe more. Uh, and, and again, this this was a joint effort and uh, between park and planning, between the college and between the county executive. And there was a fair amount of money uh, given to this project to design the, the western side. There were three schemes uh, uh, produced. Uh, the The money was actually given given to park and planning to to foster this kind of campus uh, design. That collaboration was really a good effort. You had parks involved with the Blair Park. Uh, lots of discussions about soccer and what the design of Blair Park. Lots of discussion about the college. There were three schemes. One scheme was to expand in Tacoma Park. One scheme was to move out of Tacoma Park down towards NOAA before Canada Dry. And the third scheme was, was uh, this scheme that you see here is to build a Western campus with with a bridge. Great effort on three agencies which are often accused of not working together, but in this case uh, I, I think we did pretty good. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get on to the mandatory referral of, of the garage. Uh,
15: again, <coughs> I'm John Marklein, Urban Design Division. I'm going to give you a few details of the site and the project. Uh, this photograph was taken uh, last March, Ariel. Uh, again, this is the, uh, the site. And one thing I want to point out is the property lines here. And just at Blair Drive as John mentioned is on park property. Uh, next slide. Uh, details is a six-floor garage, uh, 357 parking spaces, 15 motorcycle, 10 spaces for park users. Now the MOU that is still being worked on is going to have parking for park users on weekends for events in the park. So that's that's an important Uh, point to bring up. Um, They're going to reconstruct Jessup Blair Drive and King Street with uh, specialty paving to slow down uh, traffic and that paving will be cobbles. They're going to make the street narrower 20 feet wide Uh, and a salient point is the loop street connecting right here connecting King Street and Jessup Blair Drive and that will improve circulation through the campus.
0: Is there bicycle parking in the um, garage or lockers?
15: Um, I, the parks, no. There is no planned bicycle parking. Why not? Well, we. Just.
3: Sir David CAP from the college. The bike parking racks are all associated with the particular building, so, Health Science, we were required to put. Uh, The bike racks close to the entrances and the same with cultural arts and others. That's a requirement that you all give us.
0: Good. Good requirement.
3: Certainly we could put some racks in here if you want.
0: (laughs) Have you got enough racks (laughs) for the buildings? Yes, sir. Okay. Thanks, Dave.
15: Uh, This is a circulation plan showing uh, two-way traffic both on Jessup Blair Drive and King Street and the important two-way traffic through the parking garage. Uh, And then the blue lines indicate pedestrian paths. Uh, And one of the uh, goals of the last mandatory referral was separating pedestrian circulation from vehicular circulation. And they've done that by having a crosswalk here and avoiding crossing through the loading area here by bringing it around this way. And another concern that came up at this mandatory referral was presently students walk through here through the trees and parks will bring that up in their discussion. So what they came up with was a split rail fence along this curb, not putting a sidewalk in along this curb, and directing on this side of, the north side of Jessup Blair Park, all the pedestrian traffic down this way. To one, keep students from running, walking across the uh, Jessup Blair, anywhere on the, on the street, and to direct them around the, the critical route zones in Jessup Blair Park, which has been an issue. Uh, this is a view looking from the built pedestrian bridge. That was part of the first mandatory referral. And this is a, uh, a rendering by the, the architect of what the uh, parking garage will look like. As you can see, it's, it's uh, it has a screen here and it, it tends to help it disappear or be less bulky. Uh, and these are elevations and what I want to point out is uh, the 14-foot clearance for the loop road through the parking garage. That was important, not only get cars through, but trucks as well. And now, Laurie Shirley will discuss the forest conservation plan.
16: Good morning, for the record, Laurie Shirley with environmental planning. I would just like to walk you through some of the history as it relates to um, the overall site and forest conservation. As John Carter said, there are some previous mandatory referrals that have been reviewed by the planning board and each of those had separate forest conservation plans associated with them. This past September, the uh, applicant submitted an amendment to one of the forest conservation plans that was approved in the 2004 mandatory referral. And at that time um, we looked at the proposal for the parking garage and we said that it was necessary to have one overall mandatory referral to consolidate the two forest conservation plans so that's why we're here today uh, with this proposal as opposed to, to continue to review forest conservation plans for the site in piecemeal fashion. This past December, uh, environmental planning staff allowed for the release of a grading permit for the parking garage and that was based on the previously approved limits of disturbance in 2004, primarily because there were no significant or specimen sized trees um, in, within the limits of disturbance. The site is subject to the forest conservation law and the, the forest conservation plan that's before you today represents an amendment and a consolidation of those two other plans. The board's action is regulatory and binding and the board must act on the uh, forest conservation plan before finalizing a recommendation on the mandatory referral. In this uh, amendment to the forest conservation plan, the site has an afforestation requirement of 1.31 acres, all of which is proposed to be met with existing and new tree planting. In looking at the forest conservation plan side slide, I just want to direct your attention to the, um, the box to the right there that shows in, in pink the highlighted location of an underground um, storage vault for stormwater management along with the filter system. and the situation with that is this is an off-site improvement that is on the Jessup Blair Park property. In looking at that slide, you can see the the heavy red line is actually the property line. So the to the north of that is the the college property, and just below that is the Jessup Blair Park property. Um, this past February, and Planning staff, we went out with um, representatives from the Parks Department to take a closer look at the proposed vault and uh, some of the impacts that it proposed because there is, um, very close by the limits of disturbance, a 25-inch tree that um, its critical root zone will be impacted by the location of that vault there as it's shown on the plan and um, we're looking to have an amendment to the forest conservation plan for the park property. There is an approved forest conservation plan that the board previously looked at in in past years. Uh, we We considered some of the options to possibly relocate or reduce the size of the vault to minimize or avoid the impacts and it was just recently determined that Uh, The vault could not be relocated. There are some existing other utilities and easements right there. And it also could not be reduced in size. So that's where you see it is where it's going to be located. And then we looked at whether or not the limits of disturbance could be, whether or not it was realistic and it could be adjusted slightly to protect that critical root zone of the tree. And just this past Monday, Um, John, Markalene, and I went to the site with Eugene Rose, the arborist for the Department of Parks, and um, we talked about the possibility of a a method called sheeting and shoring to further protect the critical root zone of the the tree there. And the the college has verbally accepted um, that method of installation of the vault to be careful to protect that Trees critical root zone. Also, along the south side of Jessup Blair Drive, there are six specimen sized trees and four significant sized trees that are uh, just outside the limits of disturbance but very close by. So, in the required minor amendment for the forest conservation plan for the park property the Parks Department arborists will be looking very closely at tree protection and preservation methods that will be required on that plan. And that having been said, environmental planning recommends approval of the amended forest conservation plan for Montgomery College and we're going to hear a little bit about um, uh, I guess a tweaking of the condition that the college would like to have the ability to have their building permit For the parking garage um, before they would have to amend the forest conservation plan for the park property. And so I believe that um, Mr. Rose is here to to answer any questions and also the qualified professional for the college is here and he has an exhibit to demonstrate how the uh, critical root zone for the 25 inch tree will be further minimized based on the um, sheeting and shoring method. Thank you.
4: The work that's to be done on the garage would not affect any forest conservation issues, except for the stuff that's just a long layer dry.
16: The correct. actual
4: structure itself would not affect any forest conservation issues. That's correct. Thank you.
15: Okay, to sum up, we have recommendations, uh, two categories uh, requirements and comments. Uh, As you can see on this slide, uh, the requirements are relocation, or in this case we have determined sheeting and shoring for the vault, Uh, finalize the MOU between the college and parks, and Terry Brooks is here to answer any questions regarding that, Uh, implement tree protection measures, and uh, do that before getting a permit to build in the park. Now the, uh, the comments for the mandatory referral that we recommend be transmitted, is that the college update the planning board on the facilities master plan prior to finalizing any more projects or plans uh, in the future. And then we're asking them to review the project with the Maryland historic trust regarding the section 106 process.
0: Put on the record what the 106 process is.
15: It's 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 a review process with American Maryland Historic Trust uh, discussing the impacts on a the historic uh, uh, nat- historic park, and uh, it's more it's a review process it, It's advisory, and those the those are details I know. Um, okay. I can get somebody to talk about them. More. But it
0: relates to the park.
15: The that's correct, and okay. the effects of the the work that's being done, uh, of the, the effects of the parking garage work on the park.
0: I, I have one question for. Are you, are you finished with this? Yes. Yeah, I, I have one question for you. Um, go back to the recommendation with uh, with regard to the rail fence and the and the, uh, and, and, the and the rationale for that. Uh, You're talking about a rail fence. Yes. To do what? Show me where that is. I'll, okay. Let
15: me go back. There we go. The, the rail fence is going to be located here and along the west side of the pedestrian path. And the reason for that is presently students walk out of the Kaferitz Arts Center across Jessup Blair Drive and they walk through the woods and there are a lot of students. When I was there uh, a couple days ago, I saw several students walking through here. What they're doing is compacting the critical root zone of these very old mature trees. And several trees have already died and Eugene Rose can speak to that. So uh, one of the, uh, originally there was a path, that the architect posed a path through here, which would have uh, done a considerable damage to those roots. So uh, the compromise was reached between parks and, and the school to uh, to put a uh, to route the students down here and along the eastern edge of the park, and then put a, a split rail fence all along this edge here and along the edge of the path here. Uh, they had thought of maybe a, a wrought iron rail uh, rail or excuse me a six foot tall wrought iron fence here to match what's existing here, but they thought that was too excessive and they wanted to keep more with the, the character of the park, so they chose a, a split rail fence. That was the reason.
0: Um, <laughs> having uh, spent um, a lot of my life on college campuses, um, I, know this is I guess I'm going to express a certain amount of uh, skepticism uh, that a rail fence will Uh, deter uh, students from uh, walking under the trees
15: that came up (laughs) Um, (laughs)
0: I've um, I've seen a lot of campuses that um, have um, a lot of student choice paths on them Mm
15: -hmm. and this is one of them right here
0: Uh, why should I think that a rail fence is going to do that
15: well, we think it's going to stop um, at, at least a majority of the walkers. Now, some of the more ambitious uh, track athletes might want to leap over that fence.
0: Um, but, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fence repair work there.
4: Is anybody considered a picket fence? <laughs> <laughs> with concertina wire on <laughs> top? No, and I was actually <laughs> thinking one with a flat top, you know, just... Railing with the boards just go. It's
10: <laughs> a
15: little more difficult to leave. Show the
10: yeah.
4: photo. The photo, <laughs>
15: okay. photo
10: with the, coming off the bridge. Okay. I happen to think oh. you're right. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we talked about this quite a lot. Uh, this was the only okay. thing that, at least, helped me a little bit. I'm not sure it'll help you, but you, you, this is the bridge, the foot of the bridge, and so you, the natural pathway, which is right. what campuses are all about, really is. Is to just go straight uh, to way the way. bridge, not that way. I mean, straight from the bridge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I I think you're right. The split rail is not going to do much good, uh, but the natural path is probably just to go straight and follow the follow the path and and cross yeah. there at the garage and, and not correct. go through the park. But I I think you're right. It, it's not
0: going to yeah, be. Yeah, students coming across the uh, uh, bridge there. Well, uh, perhaps if they had a class on on the uh, yeah uh, on one side early in a later class on the other side of the the tracks uh, they might be headed for the garage depending whether they park Mm -hmm. here or parked over on Fenton Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would guess that a large number of students who cross the pedestrian bridge are headed for a class uh, in one of the buildings and not the garage (laughs) and How high is this fence? Four feet?
15: Uh, I I think no more than. I think it's a three rail fence, and some discussion has has been talked. Some people discuss maybe adding a fourth rail to make it about four and a half feet.
0: Well, I think if you electrified it, it might work. (laughs) But um, I think that's just
15: encouraging. How tall is the adjacent? um, It's uh, adjacent
9: uh, wrought
15: iron fence. It's about uh, five between five and six feet. So you really can't climb that fence. <laughs> it would
9: match.
0: I uh, <laughs> I am just really dubious of any success uh, with this sort of thing. Um, but, uh, we'll hold that until a little bit later and see what others think about it. So I'd like to hear what the Parks Department thinks about it. Um, would the college like to comment on the either the forest conservation plan or the mandatory referral?
10: While we're waiting, the, the, you do have an extra exhibit. This is from the, from parks. It, it spells out in, in more detail the specifics of what the, the items that would be in the memorandum of understanding.
3: Right. And we have that. <coughs> Sir David, Cap College facilities. Um, the uh, I'll start with the stormwater uh, vault first, and I think it was described well. We we are just a little bit caught in between the needs of us, the jurisdictional authorities for stormwater management, versus the needs for tree protection. Uh, the college does agree 100% with the idea of sheeting and shoring for the stormwater vault, so that our limits of disturbance are pulled back from. The uh, but still are in within some of the critical root zones of the twenty five inch tree, but we will uh, work that in, and as mentioned, Eugene approves that approach, so we will do that. Uh, we have the civil engineers are here today and they have tried to move the stormwater vault closer to the uh, Blair drive, but there are a number of utilities in the way which gets a lot of other entities involved in this and will delay the process much longer. Um, than what we can afford so that's the stormwater vault and our request of you all is to agree to the sheeting and shoring. Uh, Reference the fence, Um, basically our work over the past seven years that I've been involved in this is we will do, you know, within reason whatever parking planning would like us to do for the fence construction to try to direct students not through uh, the trees themselves. When we first started this eight years ago uh, we had a number of architect engineering teams on board working with you all and looked at a number of paths through the trees to include a raised boardwalk type of pathway through there that would be on posts into the ground as opposed to Uh, footings into the ground much like you see in national parks and such but that was not agreed to Um, so we have suffered or or we have not suffered we have struggled with how to control the students walking through there and they have as you said dr. Hanson found the easiest way to get from one side to the other and it is through the trees Uh, parks department has put a path of mulch down there to protect it somewhat but that's the way they're going Um, a split rail fence will be a challenge maybe there should be some plantings along with that that are sharp. Uh, needles and direct them. Uh, we we have the pedestrian bridge, as you know, that goes from the park over to the campus, and we were having a little bit of concern with graffiti artists on that, and so we planted pyracantha around our uh, columns of that. And you know, now that I'm saying it publicly, I'll probably get. Smashed tomorrow, but uh, we have that has kept the graffiti artists away from our bridge. So maybe something like that. So, but basically, the college is amenable to what your requirements are for that, and we aren't pushing one decision or another. Right. It's what you think works will work with you. Um, can I see the list on again on the slide on the mandatory for requirements? If that's what you want me to comment on, Dr. Hanson. Right. Um, so that's the stormwater vault I mentioned agree with that memorandum of understanding. I've been working with Mr. Brooks for a number of years on that. Um, I would think you could ask him, but he, he and I have no disagreements. Uh, there was an initial proposal. I came back with compromises, and we're going back and forth. It seems to be one of those things that now that you put your stamp on it, it will energize people to get that thing done and legally approved in the past it always seemed to be a priority to get pushed out of the departments. Yeah, well,
0: how about tomorrow?
3: Uh, yeah, I'll let Terry talk to that one. Uh, uh, so so far we're doing well on that and, and let me just mention the parking aspect of that. You saw that there would be 10 spaces in our garage uh, and that was all the time. We're gonna call those visitor parkings and we are gonna have to put a meter on them because as you may know college faculty staff and students college faculty and staff pay for parking Uh, So if I put 10 free spaces there, somebody will want to save $96 a year and park there. So we're going to put a low-cost meter there. So if you park there as a visitor to the college or you park there as a visitor to the park, it will be a low-cost parking meter that you can use there. And that's the 10 spaces, and it will say visitor parking on it. So we should not have our faculty, staff, or students parking in them. And we can ticket, our own folks can ticket there if they do. And then on weekends when there's greater park usage, um, we'll just open the garage Uh, and there won't be any pay parking, it'll be open. Uh, We do have the Cultural Arts Center there uh, that you know, it's a 500-seat auditorium and we hope to have very successful events going on there. So there may be times when we are using the garage quite extensively and there might be a little bit of competition between park users and us, but it's a 365-car garage plus directly to the north that is a surface parking lot, which was the old giant parking lot, and that's going to be about another 100 spaces. So I think between any event that we may have and any park users, I think we'll 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 sort it out, plus directly across the street a 650 car parking garage, which is on Fenton Street. So I don't see parking as a major issue, and hopefully this will be uh, something that's good for the park, too. Folks now will have a place to park. So I think the MOU is not an issue. Uh, Required tree protection, obviously we will do what is required for that. There's been nothing that's been asked of us that we have any contention with and then the park building permit before beginning work in Jessup Blair Park absolutely. There was one comment that I think we've worked through and it was mentioned here a little tweak to that. Initially the documents read that until the amended forest conservation plan from the park was submitted and approved, our building permit would be held up. That would be very, very problematic for the college. The The garage is being funded through student, faculty and staff fees through bond issues to the through the county revenue authority in fact you heard the, the person up here this morning talk about the last revenue bond they did was the college so that's our parking garage and that is already that was publicly bid and uh, those bonds have been awarded so any delays in the construction will have ramifications on the bond trustees and then future bond credit rating so that would be a problem for us. Donnelly's Inc is on site doing the grading now we'd like to keep them going. However, we 100% agree that the idea of holding the permit to put the stormwater vault in be held until we complete the forest conservation plan for the park. So that's the college's position, sir, and I'm open to questions on anything.
4: Well, as I understand it, if we say go ahead with the garage, you can't do anything on the driveway or the vault until you get a park permit from us anyway.
3: Yes, sir. That's what I understand, too.
0: Is that right? Um, I see that uh, Doug Alexander is here. Uh, uh, Doug, can you uh, uh, help us on a couple of these uh, issues um, on this this latest memorandum from um, the Development Division?
11: Yes, Mr. Chairman. Doug Alexander with Acting Chief of Park Development Division. Our February 17 memorandum, which you which you have handed out to you, is our is, you know reflects the detail that we had um, proposed as uh, essentially conditions on the issuance of a park permit that we would work with the college on to achieve, um, and um, which we think is consistent with the overall recommendation, uh, but that would which we would like to have reflected in the uh, and the letter of the board f- uh, to the college on this uh, mandatory referral recognizing that uh, the issues of our park permit um, you know requires that uh, the college and us agree on all of the um, elements that are going to be um, met um, achieved um, with respect to these different um, requirements of access and so forth uh, that are reflected in this memorandum so our, our conditions one through ten in this February 17th attachment are the ones that we're proposing, I'm recommending to you that that the college must meet. And uh, of course, we understand that uh, item three as will be uh, uh, amended. We're, we're accepting the fact that the vault it cannot be moved, and um, that we would have to review the uh, location where it's being proposed and the and the level of disturbance. Of the, um, Um, the areas of disturbance that that would um, entail and any uh, adjustment to the uh, forest conservation plan would have to be met.
0: Well, as I understand, the vault can't be moved, but they're going to do shoring and sheeting.
11: And that we accept that, you know, the sheeting and shoring would, in fact, help, you know, um, protect the trees to that extent. So we're we're accepting of that um, amendment um, to our condition number three. Regarding the split rail fence, I think what we propose is that um, we work with the college on, on on the fence details and any plantings there too, and any well, other recommendations that we can.
0: Well, I, I think it would be helpful. Is the arborist here um, who's worked on this? Could you, could you come on and help us understand this problem with the students compacting the trees? Um, I mean, this is a park and
17: when going back to 1884 when we started working on this David
8: <laughs>
17: one of the concerns was that the uh, students would walk across the bridge and of course the people's choice trail is right through this forested area yeah and um, our goal was to direct the students around the path uh, keep them out of this area. It's a very urban forest. It's got highly compacted soils. And our, once, like I said, our goal was to try and prevent further damage to the root systems of the trees by directing them around a paved path. And that was pretty much an agreement from day one when we started on this project. Currently, the students are walking across the forested area, but there's some construction going on down around the curve of the trail, and it's not very inviting right now. So we're hoping by putting the split rail fence in, doing a little bit of planting, we make it a little bit more inviting of a walk.
0: You really think it's going to work?
17: Well, well, you know.
0: And, and, <laughs> and, and I, I guess the other thing is is, is what it, I, I think what I'm trying to uh, understand, you know, I've seen a lot of campuses with a lot of mature trees on them uh, and a lot of students under them. Um, so I'm trying to the, sort of the, the, grasp the, okay. the necessity of this.
17: The trees on this site, um, we've lost a number of trees in Blair Park uh, due to um, numerous reasons. And um, the goal was that this is an area we worked hard to keep construction out of when we did park renovations. Uh, and It's an area where we uh, convinced Montgomery College not to put their cultural arts center Uh, And it's an area where if we continue to keep uh, soil compaction from occurring in the site, we can probably keep these trees alive. They're all pretty much borderline trees health-wise right now. Um, The other part of the plan that wasn't discussed is we're hoping to put some nice signage up at the uh, two sites where students would come up to the fence explaining um, why we're routing them around away from the trees to, you know, inform them that it's a forested area, it's a historic site, we're trying to keep the historic nature of the site and um, preserve the trees on the site, and that's why we're asking them to walk a little bit further. Yeah, it's I, worth the try. We haven't tried it anywhere else. Okay.
9: Is, <laughs> is anyone doing anything in terms of student education about that area uh, apart from? Well, that's what
17: the signage, uh, that's what our goal with the signage will be, is when the, when the fencing goes up, we'll have the signage put up also as part of educating the students as to why we're asking them to walk a little bit further. Um, That's
0: always a good idea. Um, I was
9: was just thinking in terms of more more like a leaflet or something about the historic park and and get that out there, and sometimes if they know about it. I don't know. You've had more experience than I with the campuses, so they may say that's great, but I love my path, so.
17: Yeah, well. It really becomes a matter of you maintain one thing or you maintain another. You know, if we put a boardwalk in, that becomes a high maintenance item. Well, also Ma- you'd
0: have danger to the root systems, I think, in putting in the piers for a,
15: for a right. boardwalk.
17: Right. So, I mean, the goal is to put this fence up more and, and, and signage and, and, and hope that um, it works.
5: You said the trees were borderline now. Um, that's why I'm, I'm less... I'm, I'm reluctant, actually, to think about a, such a, a fence if we already are in a danger time. Maybe we have to go to the next step, which is well, we're not we're
17: not at a, a danger right now, but it's a very urban site, and we are working hard with our um, horticultural services staff to try and improve the health of the trees. We have gone in and um, done some what's called vertical mulching, and that's uh, drilling holes into the soil on a spacing of two foot. Spacing and adding um, compost into the soil. We've mulched the whole area. We've um, done a number of over the past 10 years, we've done another number of aerations and mulching and attempt to improve the soil. Part of the problem, and the vast majority of our tree problems in Montgomery County are soil related. So we've been focusing on improving the soil on the site to try and then improve the root system to try and improve the overall health of the trees. Okay. I think we understand it. Yeah. Thank you. The trees, thank you.
3: I guess i sitting here thinking about or listening to you talk about the students. There is one maybe we could work with also uh, is if we could put the slide up that shows the fence. There's an area directly across from the Kaferitz Arts Center which currently has a picnic bench in it, on it um, and it's become quite popular. The diagram which just shows the fence, where you would put the fence. But that's the Kayfritz Art Center there. And it has an outdoor art studio uh, next to the Kayfritz right there. And actually where the fence is right there, one of those areas is a small picnic bench where folks are kind of doing what the architects and folks wanted, which is you have an outdoor art sculpture lab going on there in a plaza. Students are hanging out there and then they started walking across the street to this little picnic bench and sitting down there. So if we put a fence there uh, they won't be doing that, uh, um, or they'll want to try to do that, but maybe there's a way that Eugene can work with us and we can find a way to, to figure out a way to let a picnic bench stay and people to be able to be in the park, mm-hmm. because the students do like the park. Uh, so somehow if we can let them in the park without destroying trees, that's a good thing, but I don't know that solution yet. But if we're told to put a monolithic fence all the way through there, that's just that ends that discussion. So do we want people in that little picnic area? It's not a picnic area. There's a bench there. There's some... Trash receptacle and such, and it's become a little, little popular.
0: Let me ask this: uh, if, if uh, go back to the photograph with the with the uh, fence coming down. If, if the fence were continued. Uh, instead of uh, uh, basically just just up to the to follow the path. That way. Um, basically, that's where sort of the way you want the students to go, right? Yes. Uh, without extending the fence along the front of the park between the between the campus, between the buildings and the, and the park, um, I think one of the fun, one of the reasons we have parks is to get people in them. I, I I'm just really flummoxed, I guess, with the idea of trying to keep people out of the park. Um, it goes, it runs against the grain. <laughs> uh, I appreciate what you're saying about the trees, but um, gosh, um, <laughs> and, and especially, you know, if we were talking about folks my age, we would probably stay on the sidewalk. Um, you're talking about
17: we're not we're not trying to keep people really out of the park. Pretty healthy people, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we, who, if, and if they're healthy, they can certainly walk a little bit further. We're not trying to they keep also jump <laughs> from
5: uh,
17: Not or with those forty pound knapsacks on their backs. Hopefully, um, our goal isn't to keep people out of the park. It's to um limit the amount of soil compaction I impact under, of the I, trees
0: i I understand I just yeah.
17: and, and we'll we'll go back and revisit the site and and see if there's something we can do to address the concerns about the use of that uh, picnic area
0: yeah and, i i think if you if you move some of the the picnic uh, tables that that might be a way to uh, ameliorate the the
3: situation but uh, at any rate. one other point, dr. Hansen and commissioners as you can see from that photo there. We we are going to try to encourage the students to walk the existing path. That's where we have our emergency phones for safety. And that's where we have our lighting. Mm -hmm. So as it gets darker in the park, people are going that way. And Eugene's right. Right. We've worked very hard for the construction to make that the more. I think that's
0: the kind of thing that's really helpful uh, to do that. Well, we have some other people who've asked to be heard on this matter. So let's hear from them, uh, and then we can get back into these issues. Uh, George French, uh, Josh Wright, Sabrina Barron, Francis uh, Phipps, and uh, James Evans, if all of you would just come to the table. And we'll start with Mr. French. If you um, press the button on the base of your microphone, a red light will come on, and then you'll be on the air. You're setting up an exhibit for us? Okay. Ms. Jackson will help you.
18: George French, uh, 510 Albany Avenue, Tacoma Park. The recent history of Jessup Blair Park is a regrettable example of how to damage an exceptional resource. The Coalition to Preserve this Master Plan a National Register eligible park filed a lawsuit to protect the park from the exact destruction of the environmental setting that has occurred. The bridge, paths, parking, and other park renovations, mainly to accommodate the college component, led to the death of about 50 old-growth oaks most originally in good to very good condition. Many more are in a severe state of decline. It was obvious to us that students would walk from the bridge through the grove rather than stick to an inconvenient path. It is the unfortunate consequence of poor planning, but we believe the fence is needed to keep the students from compacting the soil within the critical root zones of the only remaining significant stand of oak trees in the park. There is a greater issue here than paths and fences in a master plan for historic designation park. In the recent past, Montgomery College refused to come before a historic preservation commission for a hop for their bridge component, arguing they were immune from local control. A very important public hearing and regulatory opportunity was lost. To assume the college is becoming a better neighbor is suspect. Their mysterious decision to apply for a fence-hop is both arbitrary and capricious and now this process must be set into a legal framework so we can count on it every time. The City of Tacoma Park has such an agreement with Montgomery College an important outcome of our legal action. The College wants to continue to build in the park. We hear this frequently expressed as a lamentation that more of the park is not available to them at this time and as a veiled threat as a way to reduce proposed density in the Tacoma Park neighborhood. We see it in documents to suggest, as they did last year, a proposal to construct a paved path through the Grove of Oaks in direct violation to the original path alignment agreement and to jeopardize more park trees for the stormwater vault. Map documents distributed by Montgomery College show a potential development area for the future college expansion on Georgia Avenue. This has repercussions for two locational atlas properties located in the Zone of Expansion, the National Institute of Dyers and Cleaners and the North Washington Realty Building. Adaptive reuse of these properties is a possibility, but that discussion must commence at the HPC level. It would not necessarily take place given the current legal conditions. Now is the time while you, the Planning Board, still have the influence over Montgomery College to demand a simple legal binding agreement with the county to persuade the college to adhere to HPC regulation pertaining to any historically designated property in our entire county. I have other recommendations on the on the back side and I would appreciate rebuttal time if anything I have uh, presented is is brought into question. Uh, thanks to the staff for their assistance. Uh, I would like to be involved in the MOU, if possible. And we were never opposed to the bridge. We thought it was a sighting issue uh, that they could come from their parking garage into their own property. And we never opposed the westward expansion. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. One of the one of the issues that was raised in one of the letters we received is the idea of of uh, having um, the the parking garages connected across the tracks by a bridge. Um, would you comment on that or?
18: I don't see any problem with that, and that's that's what uh, probably should have been done in the first place. That the bridge should have come from their their parking garage on the east side, and they could have attached it to the uh, west side uh, bridge as they're building it now. I mean, the west side. Uh, I, I think the history garage. of
0: that uh, of that bridge goes back to the time at which we were working with WMATA for the uh, for the Wamata right of way through the park, as I recall, but. Um, and and there was no there was no west campus at that point there, there was just the idea of how do you get students cross tracks uh to uh, to get to the college um, go uh, there were a couple of uh, uh photographs that you had uh, do you think that a uh that a uh, split rail fence is going to work
18: I don't know um I think it's uh it would be good to try it, though, and, and as Eugene Rose has said, that the signage might prevent students from uh, walking through the Grove also, so I'm, I'm willing to try it. Uh, it's a bad situation, um, but we've got to do something, and I don't think we can continue to allow the students to walk through the Grove.
0: Well, we let's, say, let's say for the sake of argument mm-hmm. that there weren't students, that we just had a lot of people using this park. Would we keep them out of the Grove?
18: Um, no, you, they can get in the Grove through the Mansion um, Drive. The Mansion Drive is located right here. The fence does not extend over that, so you know, people that are, I guess, parked in the garage could walk up to here, and then they could come into the Grove this way. Uh, students could also get in this way, and but then they, they'd, have, they'd be blocked by the fence at this end, and the fence extends. I, I think I've seen plans that extends down. Whoops. extends down below the uh, mansion in the back of the mansion. So they could actually come in from these directions too. They can come in from this direction into the
0: grove. Hmm. Would uh, just extending the fence um, along the, the pathway up toward the garage as you, as you come off the ramp, Uh, Just extending it north, uh, there would be no particular interest, it it would seem to me, of walking through the grove if you met up with a fence, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm spending too much time on this. I do know a lot about students.
4: George, you don't seem to like the idea of extending the rail, the iron fence, because it would be too massive. It's inconsistent with the historical site.
18: Yeah, you're reading the back of the yes, paper? I've, yeah. I read the back. That's true. Well,
4: well maybe it's a picket please. fence with four, ra- uh, split rail fronts with four railings and a sign that says, please save the trees.
18: Mm. Or, or a fourth rail. I've, I've uh, uh, brought out the the point about it maybe a fourth rail high. I I know some people will still climb it even though there's a sign there but as as someone else said I think it was Eugene said that you limit the amount of people that are willing to do that.
0: Okay any other questions? Thank you. Mr. Wright.
19: Uh, Thank you Chairman and, and Commissioners for the opportunity to testify. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of the Tacoma Park City Council here. I'm the representative of the City Council that represents the uh, neighborhood around the college in Tacoma Park. Um, first let me say the City of Tacoma Park is very supportive of the college and wants to see the college thrive. Um, and we are supportive of this parking garage plan and the mandatory referral plan um, and the forest conservation plan. Um, I won't go into the details of the split rail fence because I think we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, uh, I will say we're also very supportive of the ongoing westward expansion and the policy that was formed back in the late 90s and early 2000 um, for the college really to expand further to the west. And I know I'm getting into a little bit of the, the comments that the staff had that suggest that the college come forward and sh- uh, do a review with you of the facility master plan before they do significant additional designs. But I just want to read something, a few things. One is first from the former college president, Charlene Nutley, um, which was written in February 2001. In recent years, our, one impediment to the college's ability to grow and adequately serve students and community needs has been our inability to move forward with a much-needed expansion of the oldest and physically, and physically the smallest campus at Tacoma Park. Because of the campus's pro- close proximity to residential neighborhoods, a variety of proposed expansion plans had all met With majority community opposition and failed to get off the ground. Then came a breakthrough in the mid 1990s as county, state, and local officials and area residents all embraced plans for a proposed westward expansion of the campus into South Silver Spring along Georgia Avenue near the District of Columbia line. And that's uh, that whole entire um, uh, details of her, what she said, are in Attachment A. I also want to say, you know, the the former planning director. Made comments in 2004 that echoed this, and said maintaining a scale, height, character, and intensity of use on the eastern campus that is compatible with the residential neighborhood and adjacent Tacoma Park Historic District, shift use from the east campus to the Georgian Avenue campus. Now that policy and approach has greatly benefited the college. It has benefited Silver Spring and, and, and the county, as mentioned, in helping with the revitalization of Silver Spring, and it's also benefited the city in in allowing us to still have the college in proximity to our city, but also to preserve our historic neighborhood. Um, The city had a a city commission made up of citizens and uh, professional planners. Francis, who will speak to you, is is one of those members of that committee, the chair of the committee, and and, uh, does a lot of work in planning. Um, And out of that, there was some recommendations. um, And we then codified those recommendations in a city resolution, which is also attached. We wanted to constructively cooperate with the college first. We wanted them to locate their new math and science facilities across the tracks in the available site they still have that they purchased as part of the giant bakery and the Burlington Avenue site which is sort of behind the garage or north of the proposed garage. Um, That the college immediately start to identify other long-term options for properties that they could um, purchase and expand into to the west. Uh, in particular, the, the, the storage buildings on Fenton, there's actually one of the properties, not the storage, but a used car facility is, is now for sale along Burlington. Um, that the college relinquished two of the structures in historic block 69, the child care facility which is a house that could be brought back to normal use, and, and then the, the fine arts building which use has, is now moving to um, or has moved to the, to the western campus. And then lastly to, to establish some design guidelines around massing and height for, for the long term so that we're not back arguing with the college every two or three years about any building that they want to propose on the, on the old campus. The college briefed us um, on their plans and we were surprised to see that, um, that they didn't listen to any of the recommendations from our resident committee or the resolution that the city passed. Um, it seems like we're going in the reverse direction. instead of continuing this policy of expanding west, they're looking at now um, adding an additional new 125,000 to 145,000 of net new square footage on the eastern campus with buildings that are three and four stories that will dwarf the surrounding historic community. Um, We have a a few simple requests. First, we we totally agree with the staff's recommendation that we um, that they come before you and present this master plan so that you can have the planning board's expertise on whether what they're proposing makes sense. Um, we also further ask that um, they look into, that the planning board look into the possibility of applying a form of a neighborhood conservation overlay zone in block 69 to, in the adjacent South Silver Spring neighborhood with the intent of protecting these neighborhoods from the adverse impact of institutional growth. And then lastly, we have gotten some SENSE FROM THE COLLEGE PRESIDENT THAT HE'S INTERESTED IN DEVELOPING AN ADDITIONAL MOU. WE HAVE AN MOU WITH THEM NOW, BUT A FURTHER MOU WHICH WOULD SET SOME DESIGN STANDARDS FOR THE EASTERN CAMPUS. AND WE'D LIKE TO DO THAT IN CONJUNCTION WITH um, THE PLANNING STAFF AND GET THEIR ADVICE AND EXPERTISE ON on THAT. SO THOSE ARE REALLY OUR our REQUESTS. Um, WE'RE HOPEFUL THAT THE PRESIDENT'S uh, REACHING OUT IS uh, SOMETHING THAT WE CAN WORK WITH, BUT um, WE REALLY THINK it'll be helpful to have you all co- uh, comment on that facility master plan.
4: Thank you. I have a, I have a question for you. Sure. I fully understand the city's concerns and their, yeah. and their neighbors is completely legitimate. When do you propose we do all this?
19: When
4: when, when? when do you propose that we do the things that you are asking us to do?
19: Well first I think the facility master plan review could happen very soon. We've seen a draft of it. We've been told by the college that it hasn't changed significantly, um, and they're looking to submit that, I think, to MHAC. Um, David could probably tell you better, but the last we heard at the beginning of the summer. So I think the facility master plan review could be scheduled between now and the summer before they submit it to MHAC.
4: Are you proposing that we do anything today?
19: Uh, Other than adopt the staff's recommendation to have that happen. um,
4: Over which we probably have no jurisdiction given the case before us right now. I can tell you, as a lawyer, we don't have jurisdiction to impose that recommendation, and it's probably not even germane as part of a mandatory referral request that's before us. I, I think it's something. I think it's something that we
0: should do. Certainly a comment yeah. that we can and make. Yeah. Certainly
4: a comment that we should make. Yes. So what I'm asking you is because technically, nothing that has anything to do with these comp- campuses before us today, we don't have jurisdiction over. So, so I think the most that we can do, as the chairman suggests, is say that, as an aside and as a matter of serious concern, that the college should come back to us with an improved facilities plan as soon as possible so that we can get public comment on it and they can get public comment on before they come in with a mandatory referral, because otherwise they'll come in with a mandatory referral, which I'm sure your community would quite
19: rightly consider to be almost a fiat accompli. Right. So if, if that were done by the uh, the, commi- the board, we'd be appreciative.
0: Let me let me ask a question. Maybe George, you you may be the right person to answer this. Um, I'll, I'll just preface by saying how thrilled I am to be back on the board after 30 years and know that block 69 is still in contention. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but. Um, uh,
17: we wish it weren't so. <laughs> Me well, we too. want the chairman to get
0: But the need for uh, a historic area work permit does not apply to the college?
18: Uh, nowhere in the county except, this is my understanding, at Tacoma Park nowhere else in the
0: county. They but it does apply in, in in Tacoma Park. Tacoma Park. Well, that's good.
19: I, I think, I mean, we would have to double check on this, but I think um, the facility master plan has a lot of things related to Eastern Campus portions, I think on Block 69, May, particularly the childcare facility, but I'm not so sure if you looked at Eastern Campus that a historic work area permit where they're proposing the math and science and resource building would necessarily be required.
4: Okay. Didn't they have to get a hop for the work in Blair Park?
18: No, they don't have to get a hop for the And that's the mystery. Uh, I don't know why they came before the, uh, the Historic Preservation Commission uh, for the fence and uh, when they weren't, when they didn't come before the HPC for the bridge. For putting in the bridge, it's a mystery to me.
4: I guess my memory's failing. I thought that that went up became a matter of some considerable dispute, and the attorney general ruled that they did have to get a hop, and mm. but it was kind of resolved because we worked it out with them. And
18: they no, the attorney general, uh, his opinion was the re- exact reverse of that. Well, they, said, That's they said familiar. they were a quasi-state entity and didn't need to come before the county for local, I guess I guess it applies to other local ordinances, too, for all I know. But I know it applies yeah, it to the... It doesn't
4: apply to ag- us because we're a state agency. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's, I appreciate the
0: correction. Mm-hmm. We're good. You want to go ahead with your testimony? I
20: need to reply to... Uh, uh, Vice Chairman Robinson's uh, question to the germaneness of this and, and the uh, current uh, uh, proposal. And the fact uh, is uh, that... It,
0: would you introduce yourself? Oh, I'm for sorry, that? I'm and
20: yes. Uh, I was ready to do that when I got my opportunity. Uh, my name is uh, Jim Evans. I'm president of the North Tacoma Citizens Association. Right. It's good to see you. Thank you. Uh, the uh, uh, current revision uh, to the facilities master plan indicates that that parcel, their large parcel of property remaining vacant parcel of property after the garage is built uh, is no longer being considered for academic use. It's being considered for mixed use and in fact the garage which they're proposing uh, uh, for student and faculty use is in fact ultimately intended to be shared with that mixed use uh, uh, parcel. Uh, which the college claims at this point, and rightly so, that they do not own it. It's owned by their foundation, uh, a separate organization. Uh, And our concern here is that uh, if this, in fact, is being ultimately uh, going to be used, then should the county and the state be funding this uh, proposed garage for mixed use?
4: I can assure you that's something that we absolutely don't have jurisdiction over. Well, we that have jurisdiction only over the mandatory referrals and referral. land use uses right where they intend to put the garage. I, I understand your concern as a taxpayer. I know I have no that we have no jurisdiction over that. That's a matter for the county and the council, the county, the college, and the council to decide. And of course, when the mixed use project comes before us. I think there's a very real possibility that that would not not be viewed as a mandatory referral. In other words, it would be viewed just like any other commercial development because it's not being used for academic use, it's being used for commercial development. If you had any concerns about the proposal itself, then I think that we would have, it's most likely that we would have a normal jurisdiction that we would have over any commercial development.
20: But if this garage is, if part of this is being used as commercial development, then you should have an opportunity I to. I have jurisdiction over the garage
4: in terms of its impact on land uses. I'm not sure that I have jurisdiction over how the the county and the college intend to finance the garage. I'm, I'm interested, Mr. Chairman, what you think on that point. <laughs>
0: Well, I I think uh, that uh, if it comes in as a a standard um, uh, commercial development, it would be subject to all of the uh, aspects of the the zoning and subdivision regulations.
4: My concern, I think the gentleman's concern is whether we could, for example, say that the garage should not be built because the college contemplates and the county contemplates that some portion of that garage may be used to support parking for part of their foundation.
0: Well,
20: let let me clarify that. I I I,
0: don't think that uh, we would have, uh, at least in this mandatory referral at this point, I don't see any basis for making a judgment about that. It would be altogether too speculative, even if we had clear jurisdiction. All right.
20: That's my point. We are actually in favor of the garage. Don't uh, misunderstand me there, okay? We're supporting the development of the garage, but what you're being asked to do is look at this land use in an absence of the overall context that it's ultimately intended. And uh, what I'm saying is that that basically you should have an opportunity to look at it in its total context to make an informed decision rather than just as a garage.
0: Okay. Thank you. Very good. Um, Ms. Barron.
6: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm Sabrina Barron. I'm the president of Historic Tacoma incorporated which is the local preservation group <coughs> um, that provides stewardship for uh, the Tacoma Park Historic District to which um, Montgomery College is uh, adjacent and is also part of our National Register District. If I could just offer a point of information in the previous discussion about historic area work permits, um, in, in the Tacoma Park part of the campus uh, we do have that provision due to a memorandum of understanding that was entered into between the college, my organization, Historic Tacoma the city of Tacoma Park and the county um, because we had this, you know, neither fish nor fowl problem. um, And under that MOU, the college agreed to abide by the county uh, preservation ordinance as it applies to the Tacoma Tacoma Park historic district. So you have
4: it by stipulation, not by statute
6: on the Tacoma Park part right. of the campus. Okay. That's very uh, helpful. So hopefully that's useful. Um, that's I want to su- support a lot of what Council Member Wright uh, had to say in his comments. Uh, my organization also supports the western, western expansion of the campus and the um, preservation of Jessup Blair Park. Uh, we're very glad to see the process that's going on here this morning, this process of mandatory referral for the garage uh, project, uh, which we feel should be a process for uh, all college projects. And the suggestion is Section 106 uh, review, uh, very important in the efforts to preserve and maintain Jessup Blair uh, Park. We'd like to see these reviews and these kinds of efforts apply to proposals for building on the East Campus um, as well, the historic core uh, of the Tacoma Park Silver Spring campus. Um, As I said, Uh, The campus is located in a National Register Historic District. uh, The East Campus uh, is and adjacent to a local Montgomery County Historic District uh, as well and we have very concerns about the adverse effects that very dense development that's proposed on the core campus would have on these historic neighborhoods, uh, residences in the historic districts uh, generally. Um, we've been in discussions with the Maryland Historic Trust about uh, these concerns and they um, have supported our concerns in that direction. Uh, in fact I have a letter from the MHT that I can uh, provide for you for your information uh, on that uh, on that topic. Um, so to that end, uh, my organization along with the city of Tacoma Park and other citizens' organizations that you're going to hear from here, just in just a few minutes, um, feel that the further further expansion, uh, enlargement of the campus in in any uh, in any fashion should all be on the western side, the Georgia Avenue side uh, of uh, the campus. And Councilmember Wright has mentioned to you this Burlington Avenue site that's available now. Uh, for uh, needed academic expansion, the, the academic expansion we're told that the college needs uh, so uh, so desperately. In fact that parcel is pointed out in the um, existing 2004 college master plan as an academic site uh, and now suddenly when academic space is needed that site becomes vital for a mixed-use residential commercial for-profit, uh, for-profit development. Uh, so um, we would like to see the continuation of um, expansion in the western uh, direction on this parcel um, immediately uh, uh, and uh, as Councilmember Wright also pointed out, there's also the possibility of uh, acquiring uh, storage buildings and some other light industrial sites uh, that would connect the two uh, parcels of the campus, the eastern and the western parcels uh, logically and would relieve uh, the pressure of Dense development uh, from our historic um, adjacent residential uh, neighborhoods. My organization is also interested in seeing um, the implementation of some long term solutions. Um, Again, as Councilmember Wright pointed out, so that we're not back here every five or six years trying to hammer out. Uh, these kinds uh, these kinds of agreements, and um, my organization would also be very happy to participate um, in establishing MOUs to cover a number of these issues, like uh, design guidelines um, and so forth, that have been proposed here um, here this morning. So, um, I guess my my plea is to ask you to make sure that these processes apply uh, as appropriate uh, to uh, all proposals for expansion on the campus. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. We're good. Ms. Phipps.
21: Thank you very much. I'm Francis Phipps, seventy two ten Holly Avenue. I've been acting as chair of the city appointed uh, Montgomery College Neighbors Advisory Commission for about three years. It, it seems like thirty, but it's only been three. Um, actually what we have here it are two very different types of campuses we have the Western Campus and you know sometimes planning really gets it right. I mean you saw that. They're large campus, they're large buildings, they're modern, uh, they're attractive, they act as the anchor to South Silver Spring. Brilliant solution. Large scale buildings accommodate all the great, we keep hearing there are going to be a tsunami of students coming. So the challenge is thinking long-term, how are we going to accommodate this tsunami of students? And uh, just to get to the technical point, we as a committee endorsed this Western Garage, and I'd like to explain uh, to the board that maybe is not that familiar with Tacoma Park, to have Tacoma Park in unanimous agreement on an issue is extraordinary. And have Tacoma Park in support of development is even more so.
0: This, this really deeply worried me.
21: Yes. Yes. So there must well, be we have. Wrong. We'll take some of it back in just a minute. So we think the Western solution, which was, as was mentioned by the staff, a collaborative solution, and frankly, um, Jim's uh, citizens' association actively supported the funding for this, and, and they were in great support with the college, um, was really the right thing to do. What we're being faced with now are two things. We have an eastern campus that is dramatically different from the western campus. For one minute, may I ask you to look at my testimony and I'll refer you to uh, the, uh, the attachments which we provided in color. Uh, I'd like you to look at attachment 3A. For those of of you who have not been, I wish I had brought a PowerPoint. And let me say, I'm so impressed by a mobile PowerPoint within a static one. I mean, Montgomery County obviously leads the way. This is Block 69. You know, why have we been fighting about it for 40 years? 40 years. If you look at these marvelous Victorian structures, I would then like to ask you to turn the page and look at, and I'll clarify some of the issues that have been raised about historic district. The line that you see here, all the yellow properties that are outlined are part of the college holdings which are specifically exempt from the historic designation on block 69. Only this residential structure falls within it. There are no historic protections specifically applied to these properties which are located right in the midst. Now how are they in the midst? If you turn the page to attachment uh, 3C, you see a beautiful Victorian and a very small what we call cottage next to it that are directly adjacent uh, to the college properties Um, and I think Jim can address that a little bit more. The last page shows that this is R60 zoning not only in block 69 but the core campus is R60 zoning. Now we know that as a quasi-state organization. Uh, The college says we are not really um, subject to zoning. However, what is marvelous is on the Western campus it's CBD zoning. It's so appropriate the size, the scale, the massing. Why are we here today? The proposal to update the master plan that was presented to the city and to our committees and to the North Tacoma Citizens Association reversed this successful policy of Westford expansion. They propose no new academic buildings on their holdings. What they're saying is they are going to propose to rebuild the entire core campus. We're talking about 400,000 plus or minus square feet of new development. Part of it is reconstruction, net new is 125 to 145,000 square feet. Our houses, Jim's house, the largest is maybe 3,000 square feet. Now in your wisdom, Montgomery County has passed a mansionization rule for things inside the Beltway, so adverse impacts do not destroy the quality of residential life. Now to give the devil its due. These decisions that were made to intrude into the neighborhood were made in the 70s, and we made bad planning decisions one after another in the 70s. Most of them have been reversed. We would never today propose to locate massive new structures right in the midst of a marvelous historic jewel. The the latest proposal by the college includes rebuilding, doubling the size of the black box theater, which is directly adjacent to residential property on the corner of Chicago and and, um, Philadelphia. Lastly, I will wrap up and say in terms of the garage, we have an opportunity. I always have an opportunity and a challenge. It's whether we take it or not. THE CHAIRMAN MENTIONED THERE HAD BEEN A DISCUSSION OF BRIDGES LINKING THAT AND EARLIER IN DISCUSSIONS WITH THE COLLEGE, um, THEY HAD MENTIONED THAT. IT MAKES SO MUCH SENSE THAT IT FELL OFF THE PLAN. YOU KNOW, IT MAKES SO MUCH SENSE. OUR OTHER MAIN THRUST OF OUR COMMITTEE IS WE MUST BEGIN TO UNITE THESE TWO CAMPUSES IN A SENSIBLE, SUSTAINABLE, LONG-TERM WAY. And the mandatory referral process doesn't allow you to do that. They come in building by building by building. There is no vision today. There was a vision 10 years ago. I think what we're asking you to do, and we need your help, is to help us all create a sustainable vision for this necessary expansion with no impact, low impact, and concern for our residential neighborhood. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Mr. Evans, were you finished with your testimony? Uh,
20: Well I just want to, for those maybe that aren't familiar with the North Tacoma Citizens Association, uh, we represent about 300 uh, families uh, immediately surrounding the college. Uh, And as such, back in the uh, late 90s, we developed a very cooperative relationship with the college uh, transcending the uh, adversarial relationship that had uh, existed in the 70s and uh, through the 80s. Um, And in fact, we uh, supported the uh, large student services center at the time. Uh, and worked with the college on designing the, the facade at, that faced the neighborhood at least so that it wasn't uh, quite as objectionable. We were very uh, adamant though that uh, this building which we agreed to on the basis that it was a gateway to the college and uh, uh, that it not be uh, uh, as it uh, represent the, uh, the continued development of the college that it not set a precedent for development of all the buildings uh, on the college. And we were assured uh, at the time that, that would uh, that would not be the case uh however uh, and actually we 've continued to work with them up until this last uh, revision to the uh, facilities master plan in which they 've uh, taken that uh, le- uh, land uh, on the west side of the campus and converted it to uh, uh, to mixed use. Our neighborhoods enjoy the college we work cooperatively with them uh, we enjoy using some of their facilities uh, we have uh, families uh, with students there we have actually uh, people working at the college and and For the most part, uh, living actually on the campus as I do, I found them to be good neighbors. But in the last couple of years, uh, that has has turned around and uh, personally feel uh, quite deceived because while we're being told uh, for years that, uh, well, don't worry about this master plan, it's just box on a piece of paper and these uh, developments are a long way off uh, and things can change. Well, yeah, they've changed, and each revision to the master plan, they've gotten bigger <laughs> and and larger. And now we what we see is that they're uh, reneging on their uh, promises to develop uh, and agreements to develop the western campus, and in fact are proposing even larger structures on the uh, uh, on the residential side uh, to uh, uh, so that they can uh, use their their western. Uh, Lands to, uh, for mixed for mixed use and non college use. Uh, I thought it was uh, interesting that the uh, college now is asking uh, for you to uh, to approve their uh, their garage proposal so they can continue. And this seems to be their their modus operandi, uh, where you're looking at one building at a time rather than the overall picture. And not only that, but you're lo- asked to uh, look at it. Uh, with not much time to make an informed decision. Uh, right now they say, well, we've got the funding and uh, we, we need to get moving on this or we're gonna lose it or it's gonna impact our, uh, uh, our bonding status. Well, gee, they've known this for uh, years now and all of a sudden it's, intimate, it, it's uh, right at the doorstep and they're asking you to, uh, to make a quick decision. Let's go on this because we need to start construction here. Uh, and we're going to see this over and over again as the campus expands. They're going to go with their uh, facilities master plan to uh, MHEC, the Maryland Higher Education Commission. They're going to get approval for building these large facilities. They're going to get funding to build these large facilities and they're going to come back to you and say, we've got the money, we've got to build it. And that is what you're being asked to do. That's why we're asking you to wait until you see their master plan to see what they're planning to do with this garage space because I've been told by by the college representatives that in fact in the future that's going to be uh, used for private use also and uh, I don't think it's appropriate for the public to fund that and I don't think it's appropriate uh, that that uh, that be done uh, while they're expanding uh, over expanding on the the residential side. I also, it it was interesting, I noticed that the driveway around the campus is now connected. Those two drives, the King Street Drive and the other drive uh, are separate. And uh, I'm wondering why you would have to connect them if the only park use uh, on that side is for the loading dock for the, uh, there's no other, uh, I believe, any other uh, need to to move into that area. Uh, So why uh, are they connecting those two? Just, it would add traffic and increase the speed of traffic uh, in those areas where you're gonna have a lot of pedestrian student uh, uh, and living on New York Avenue as I do, I know uh, that it can be a nightmare uh, with students crossing and, uh, and cars moving at a, uh, at a rapid rate. Uh, so I, I guess, well basically I'm asking that, that you hold off on your uh, uh, approval of this until you see their uh, facilities master plan and also that you, you stipulate if in fact they, uh, the claim is that this is being used for, uh, only for college use that, uh, that they stipulate formally in writing that this is their future use for that uh, uh, garage facility that you're being asked to approve today. Uh, and if they're willing to put that in writing then it takes it off the table. I think it's, uh, I don't want to seem hard-hearted and
4: unsympathetic. I've been around Tacoma Park politics for a long time as president of Allied and then Mm -hmm. as a board member. I'm quite familiar with your concerns. I also have decided after seven plus years on this board that the worst thing the board can do is encourage people to think that we can help them when we can't help them. I think that's intellectually dishonest and I think it creates unrealistic expectations. It affects the credibility of the board and it affects the credibility of the political process. I think our current president has said quite clearly that let's let's stop playing games. Let's see talk about things the way they are and then decide what we can do about it and what we can't do about it. And I think Never mind, I wouldn't want to offend my Republican colleagues by referring to the last eight years of the national administration, but I think you know what I mean. So I've heard everything you said. I fully understand your concerns, particularly having been president of the Historical Preservation Society myself with the same type of Victorian houses. I was the president of the Kensington Historical Society. This is a mandatory referral. You want us to hold up to the garage based on stipulations that have nothing to do with the issue before us. It's hard enough to get the college or a governmental agency to do what we would like them to do when we just address the issues before us. If we go beyond that jurisdiction they have, over the issues before us or the matters before us, they have even less reason to listen to us we don't have authority to tell them not to build this garage. We probably don't even have the authority to tell them to delay it. In fact, that would probably put us in the position of being obstructionists because what we can do is refuse to issue the park permit for the portions of this project where we have control over the real estate. That has nothing to do with the design or location of the garage itself. So I'm in an impossible position based on what you asked me to do. You asked me to do something when the best that I can do, and by the way, which I'm perfectly willing to do, is to look at the college and said, you've heard the public testimony about a point, important points, which I don't have before me now, but it seems to me, (laughs) you're going to have mandatory referrals down the road and you're probably right, building by building, unless they come in with a revised facilities plan. It'd be a little easier to come in with a revised facility plans in advance of all this construction and individual mandatory referrals and try to work out some of the issues then, recognizing the limits to our jurisdiction in terms of being able just to tell them to do things, which we can't do. We can only make recommendations. So. That's a long-winded way of saying I hear what you're saying, and there's not very much I can do about it. It really should be directed towards Ms. Florine and members of the council in terms of the money that they appropriate for the budgets, the community college's budget. That's where the real control is, that if these issues aren't worked out, they won't appropriate the college's, the county's portion of the construction budget so what we would do hopefully is I think it's perfectly fair for the board to say as the chairman suggested I think quite rightly you've heard the testimony if you come in with a facilities plan and maybe that we work with you in a meditative role which is really what the mandatory process is about and we do it sooner than later things are likely to go more smoothly and I'm certainly willing to get the college that admonition but I don't want to mislead you about Extent that we could actually control their behavior, which in fact is very limited.
20: Well, thank you. I appreciate your honesty and uh, for the opportunity to vent as I've done here.
4: Well, no, it's appropriate. That's one reason we're here. Yes, sir.
19: Uh, So I I very much appreciate your honesty about what you can and cannot do. I think um, just if I follow from what you said before related to the Burlington Avenue property, if it were to come forward as a commercial development, you Would have more than just recommend. You know, you'd have more power than just to recommend. It's been our consistent consistent position in dealing with the college and other
4: county agencies that if they're in the land use business, they're not pursuing their normal, regular programs.
19: That we have jurisdiction over them, full plan review, just like we would for any other development. Right. So, although it would be speculative at this point to to be certain that the garage is going to be used for commercial purposes I think it would be appropriate to ask the college on the public record if at this point they intend to use that um, that garage for commercial purposes and then if that is the case I think that gives you a little bit more authority I'm not proposing that you say the garage be delayed but it does give you more authority than to specifically uh, do more than recommend to the I college. Don't think so. No.
1: Uh, it wouldn't not. give
0: us any authority to do more than recommend with regard to the garage. Uh,
1: even if they even said, even
0: if they said uh, this is the mandatory referral, uh, the garage is, is clearly uh, being uh, designed and, and proposed at this point uh, for student parking and, and faculty parking, uh, with some free parking available for events in the park. Um, that some of it uh, might uh, be used for commercial uh, uses, um, I don't think gives us any uh, any additional authority uh, at this point in a mandatory referral. I don't know, Miss Rubin, you have any?
7: Uh, as long as the the building that or the the facility that is being proposed at this time is considered a public building right. for public use, it does fall under the mandatory referral provisions.
4: For example, if the parking authority in Silver Spring were to come in with a garage, we only have mandatory authority over that, and it's being used 100% for commercial purposes.
0: I think what we need to do at this point uh, is to make sure what it is we're being asked to approve. We have two things before us. One is the forest conservation plan, and there we have full regulatory authority. Uh, The other is the mandatory referral uh, for the garage where we have... Uh, simply a, an advisory uh, responsibility uh, to the campus, as I understand it. Um, uh, you can correct me uh, if I'm wrong here. That on the um, uh, on the forest conservation plan, which is the first matter uh, that would be before us, um, we're asking for the uh, shoring and sheeting for the uh for the vault and that will involve some modification probably of the uh limits of disturbance uh that um, we are uh asking for the uh split rail fence uh to uh protect the uh, uh the students from the trees or the trees from the students uh whatever <laughs> uh we are um, uh Asking for what other specific things with regard to the uh, conditions? the conditions your for for the.
15: Um, uh, to Mr. Chairman. Turn back to that PowerPoint right. We can be to, we can to, get the PowerPoint. to PowerPoint.
10: It's the last page of the PowerPoint. Good.
0: Just That's make it. sure that we've yeah. got everything that is necessary for the uh, conditions for the forest conservation plan and and park permit.
15: Correct. Yeah. In and the under my
10: understanding incorporates that additional memo that you, you got
18: today with
4: the right. parks. Yeah, there's a little bit of overlap here, uh, I think, in terms of some things that would strictly be the forest conservation requirements and some of them related to the park permit, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think they're so commingled that the clear understanding is we're laying and we'll approve on a essentially a forest conservation plan, but the remaining matters that we're discussing have to be dealt with memorandum. Memorandum, memorandum of understanding and there will be no permit for walk work on park property until these matters are all right. resolved. Absolutely. So we're retaining some regulatory control to make sure that what is really a package that has elements of both is right. effectively That's why we've,
10: we've and segregated those into, into two areas that are required are the top four and the
0: Okay, now do the, do the top four include any of the items that were in the uh, memorandum of the 17th from the Parks Department that are, have are, have we covered all those bases? We, could,
10: we should probably say that in the second bullet, say, say that that incorporates the, the uh, conditions that are laid out in the park.
0: All right, and um, uh, Mr. Brooks, are we on line to get that Memorandum of understanding uh, understood within the next uh, day or two? No, I don't want 30 days. How long have, How long have you and the college been discussing this?
12: Since two thousand and six, all the terms and conditions have been agreed to, and it basically talks about the operations, security, Maintenance and special events coordination, just operating the park in cooperation with one another, which they've all agreed to. I'm just trying to. Then
0: why hasn't it been signed?
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm urging our legal counsel to hurry as quickly as possible to execute that.
0: However, you have no
4: objections to the fact that if we, since we still have the control of the park permit, there is no reason that we shouldn't permit the college to begin with the construction the garage for the portions of that effort that are on college property. I see no reason why not. All right.
0: right, Mr.
7: I will, uh, although it's not my staff anymore, I will commit <laughs> <laughs> to, to make this a top priority for, for them to have it done. Um, I, I would just ask one for one piece of clarification because I do have to distinguish the conditions of approval for the forest conservation plan from the park permit unless Act, getting the park permit is a requirement of the forest conservation plan. Can I ask for some clarification on the distinctions for our purposes and for the record? Um, in our recommendation for approval, we had
16: one condition with um, subconditions A and B, and we are in agreement that uh, condition 1A would be modified to read that um, the college must process an amendment to the approved Jessica. Blair Park Forest Conservation Plan prior to the release of the park permit for the vault and filter system on the park property.
0: Okay, that's fine. That's good. Thank you. That's good. That clarifies that. Good. All right. I think then we are ready for a motion on the Forest Conservation Plan. Move approval
4: as the Forest Conservation Plan as amended by the language that's just read into the record by our
0: staff. Is there a second of the motion? Any discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The ayes have it. Motion is carried. Is there a motion then on the comments for the mandatory referral? I
4: will move approval of the recommended comments on the mandatory referral referral based on the limitations, the understanding of the limitations I previously discussed.
0: Including the request that we get a facilities master plan?
4: Yes, sir. And I assume, since we have a department or a member of our department that specializes in urban design, that we'd be willing to make our good offices available
0: if requested. Or even if not requested, uh, we'd be glad to make them available. Well, I would never want—I would never want to infringe
4: on the city's sovereignty uh, unless we were
0: requested to be involved. Very good. And that is a motion? That is a motion. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The ayes have it. Motion's carried. Out. Good luck. Good. Thank you. We are recessed for lunch. We expect